Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 215 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, the founder of Sifted. You can find me on Twitter at Dinfire, but you should really search me out at Sifted.net, where you can message me at Shane pretty much anywhere on the site. We have a great show for you guys today, and I have a couple friends along with me to discuss some of the biggest topics in games for the week. We got Matt Kyle alongside. What's up, Kyle? Not much. Not Shame, much. Always. I don't know. I don't <laughs> go really, anywhere anymore. So I can't funny. tell it's you like, what happened to me. Yeah. It's like I, I try to stay in touch with like my friends and family through all this. And uh, they have nothing to say because no. <laughs> no one's doing anything. So nobody, everyone like I play poker with my friends still on Saturdays. And it's like we keep sharing old stories and talk about the old yeah. times. But everybody else, it's like, well, I don't do anything. So I have nothing to talk about. Like sometimes when I, like we have movie nights and stuff and like that. But like when the movie ends, like we just sort of talk about what we did in February. <laughs> it's so <laughs> bizarre. Now, granted, we shot two movies in February. So there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. And there's still post-production going on. But at a certain point, it's just like we have to go do something else at some point. Yeah. Like, I think everybody is just ready. Even if it's just go stand on a hill and look. I don't yeah. you know, whatever. It's better than looking out this same damn window I've been looking out for three yeah. or four months. I saw one meme. It was like, to the window, to the wall. <laughs> it's like, that's all you're doing. You're just going from one to the other. It's insane. Uh, also along with us today, we have Mitch Sikorsky. What's up, Mitch? What's going on, man? <laughs> Nothing much. Well, for me, at least I go play tennis, which is probably the perfect social distancing sport you can play. So... I'm I'm a little satisfied that I can do something like that at this time. Yep. And if you guys have not watched Sifted HQ, which after a week layoff because the studio flooded, uh, we publish a new episode today. Uh, the next installment in the saga of his PC build is in today's episode. Make sure you watch it. Um, also, you can find Matt on Twitter at mkyle, and that's spelled K-E-I-L. And you can find Mitch on Twitter at Mitch Sikor, S-I-K-O-R. Give us a follow. If you want to know what's going on with Sifted, um, you can follow the site as well on Twitter, at Sifted Games. Uh, if you're watching our stuff on YouTube or anywhere else on the interwebs, um, if you follow us there, you'll know when we're publishing new stuff to places where you can access it. So we're going to kick things off, but not really, because I want to talk first about a huge milestone for Sifted. So this last week, Sifted turned five. We had our fifth anniversary we had launched back in 2015 right before e3 um i published an article on the site that talked you know just kind of shared my impressions of the first five years and then i did kind of a a blow by blow account of the first five years of sifted uh, i think it's a good read it seemed like most people really liked it and you can find that uh, at sifted.net and it's free for everybody it's not behind a paywall um, and you can find there's actually in the header, our brand new promotional unit in the header is pushing to that right now if you want to check it out. So anyway, it is the fifth anniversary of Sifted. I really can't believe that it's been five years because I worked so much and so hard that literally weeks just rip by, rip by. I can't remember the last time I was I'd like checked and said, oh, my God, time is dragging. It's just for five years straight. It is just ripped. Uh, so it was almost like. I was just shocked to think it's been five years since we've been running the website. And I want to say thank you to so many people. I don't even know where to begin. Obviously, Matt and Mitch on Game Face right now. But then we have all our TriCaster TDs who worked on the show before that. Uh, we have curators. Uh, Wario64 
was a curator for Sifted at one point. Um, we've had tons of people write gamey vows for us. We had a bunch of uh, content that we licensed from YouTube, like Platinum Journey. Um, we had Vin Hill, who did all the icons for the site's achievements. And we have Raphael Michael, who's done the art for our t-shirts. We have Slagathor, who has done motion graphics for us. We have literally like a dozen of you who, who have launched your own podcast that we now feature at sifted.net as on our sifted community channel. It is overwhelming for me to think about all the people who have helped along the way to get us to this point. And I am so grateful for all of them. I'm grateful for my wife. She's been so patient through this whole thing. So a lot of people to thank. I couldn't list them all here um, on Game Face. I tried to get to most of them. Our mods, our mods have been amazing. Um, it's it takes a village, and I wrote that in the piece. It's up on the site. It takes a village for something like this, and you guys are one awesome village. Our community is amazing. Um, I started doing some digging on demographics for the site, and the average age of the sifted user is 37 years old. Mission accomplished MFers. That is what I have wanted when I started dreaming about this site. I have wanted the older age group of gamers, people like us who have been gaming since the 70s and 80s, who still love it. That's who I want on Sifted. And it's working, it has worked. Uh, so I'm pretty proud of that. Um, I will say this, going through the history of Sifted, there are a lot of lowlights. There's a lot of bad crap that has happened to us. It's crazy. Like I started looking at it and I'm like, one, two, three, like all the times we just got screwed. It's, we're definitely due for a break for something good to happen. Um, and on that note, uh, I want to share with you guys that the lease on our studio is up at the end of July, uh, but they've been crazy going after me about renewing the lease. Um, for the last like week and a half, and it's still like a month and a half away. So anyway, today is the deadline for me to decide whether I'm renewing the lease on our studio, and I have decided that I am. So we are locked in for another year of Sifted at our location. Um, I'm hoping that in the next year we grow enough that we outgrow that space because I don't want to stay there. Like I want to get someplace bigger and better, but we got to grow it. This is this year, this past year was supposed to be the show it year. Um, we had a huge plan set up for Sifted 2.0. That all went down the toilet because of coronavirus. Sifted 2.0 was supposed to launch in full months ago, but coronavirus hit. Brent all of a sudden had to become a teacher and had to teach his kids in addition to doing a full-time job. He just couldn't get the site done in time. So instead, we did a soft launch. We've been rolling out features here and there ever since. There was supposed to be a whole, there was a whole plan set up for all of this, and it all went down the toilet. So I don't feel like I've been able to accurately assess um, our momentum in some cases. In other cases, our momentum is clear. Um, our YouTube revenue has gone up for the last several months in a row. Uh, splitting up Pactor Factor has become a boon for us for YouTube. Uh, we lost 200 subscribers in, to our channel in the first like month and a half. People that weren't happy about it, they left. And now the subscriber count starting to grow and our revenue has like tripled on YouTube. So it was the right call. Um, so... Uh, I just want to say again, thank you to all of you guys. Most importantly, thank you, our our users. I've had people just like donate us money at Christmas time. Um, the, all the Twitch Prime that you guys do, in addition to your subscript your subscriptions or your Patreon pledges, it's all just freaking amazing. And we're locked and loaded for another year. This is the prove it year, though. There's going to be no excuses. My guess is there's not going to be another coronavirus. Uh, once we get through this, I think we'll have a clear picture of kind of where Sifted is headed. Um, but I was put in a weird position where 
the plan didn't have time to play out and I had to commit to another year. And so I've done it. We are ready to rock for another year on Sifted. I hope that makes a lot of you guys happy. Uh, but we, we have goals that we have to hit in the next 12 months or that's going to be it. Uh, this is it. This is the last year. If we can't see upper momentum on our Patreon at the end of this 12 months, then I got to find something new to do. I just do. Um, it would be stupid to continue after that. So anyway, really excited about that. Um, some big stuff is also coming online here in the next couple days. Uh, so as you know, the promotional unit in the header went up last week. Also, we got our uh, live streaming alert in the header last week, and that's live right now. I just checked it, so that's still working. Um, we also have a couple other things coming online here in the next week. Our Sifted Radio podcast uh, feed is actually live already. Brent got the feed live, but I'm in the process of tagging everything into the feed, and then I'm working on some audio-only content to fill that feed. So anyway, you'll be getting that pretty soon, which is huge. And then another big thing that happened over the last week is that Game Face is now on Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, in addition to Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. I had a lot of people request Game Face on Spotify. Um, and so it's up on all those services now. I will say this, if you want to get to the show right now, don't just search for Game Face, search for Sifted. Because right now, the way the, the way the feed is named, it's Sifted colon Game Face, and we're fixing this. We're changing it to just Game Face. But if you search for Game Face on most services, you won't find the show. So anyway, we're fixing it. If you want to get your feed hooked up right now on any of those services, just search for Sifted colon Game Face, and it will pop up. So anyway, getting more distribution for Game Face, our flagship show, thinking really hard along game face lines as far as what we can do with the show over the next 12 months to maybe expand it, make it better, uh, maybe do more than one episode a week. I'm kicking around a bunch of stuff um, to see uh, what makes sense. Um, so anyway, big change is coming. Um, ads are coming to Sifted pretty soon. Yep. Um, so people who are basic, uh, you'll be served ads going forward. Not sure when that's going to launch, probably in the next couple weeks. Um, but yeah, there's going to be ads on the site. Uh, and please don't turn on ad blocker. Like we literally need every penny. The way we're working on the ads is we're making sure that they're not intrusive. There's not going to be big eye blasters or takeovers. They're literally going to be just modules in the sift that are ads. And chances are sometimes you won't even notice that they're ads. So, you know, we were ad free for five years. We bit the bullet for you guys and it didn't really do us any good. So we are moving to an ad model. Again, every dollar matters for us. I know a lot of other Patreons, they wouldn't care. We do. We need every buck. So anyway, that's the first five years of Sifted. It's been an insane ride. I wish there were more good times than there have been, to be honest with you, looking back across the last five years. But the way I look at it is the law of averages. We are due. We are due for a break. We are due for something to hit big for Sifted. It's been five years. We've never really had a single shred it's 20, of It's 2020. That You just guaranteed like a meteor is going to hit the studio no. or something. <laughs> it can't get any worse than what we've been putting up with for the last three months, Kyle. That's the way I look at it. At least I no, think so. Famous last words. <laughs> well, if that is the case, then I'll roll with the punches just like I always do. When the space squids show up, you're going to shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's a it's a nice start right now because uh, Tiny Two K and J M Rain ninety nine both gave ten gifted subs along with wow. twenty eight other subscriptions, and wow. we got over two hundred and fifty percent above level five. And five is 
the highest you can go. Oh my God. So we hit the hype train just like immediately. They basically, oh, yeah. I think, we, I we think they're it. celebrating the Sit anniversary. There. So mm -hmm. thank you very much, man. I really, really appreciate that. Also sound wizard also subscribe with Twitch prime Wampler 13 subscribe with Twitch prime. Um, I viz the Womp, the McWomble, a ton of people subscribing with Twitch prime today, manly scream emperor dread. Um, and then those subs that were given out by tiny 2k, uh, JM Rain, making it rain. Uh, we hit level five hype train for the first time ever. Thank you guys. That it means the world to me. And I, again, it really does matter to me. It, it has an impact on my mood. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, that's the first five years of Sifted. Again, thanks to all you guys for all your support, no matter what you've done. Even if you're just watching the show on YouTube and you don't have ad blocker turned on and you're watching ads on our content on YouTube, that matters. It makes a difference for us. So Thank you. Appreciate it. I see Johnny Hurricane jumping in here. Um, and I would, have, I would have to say before moving on, if there is one patron that I have to thank uh, at the fifth anniversary, it is Johnny Hurricane. Johnny Hurricane was a patron for the first several years, first couple years, um, that was at a $750 level to go to PAX E3 party. Um, and he literally kept us afloat some months all on his own. So if I had to crown the king of the patrons and I'm no disrespect to anybody else, you guys have all been awesome, but I think you can all understand when someone dedicates themselves that much to your Patreon, you have to give them the crown. So Johnny Hurricane, thank you so much for everything that you've done for Sifted Man. You've been amazing. Uh, good luck with all the stuff that you're working on. You got your own site and your own stuff that you're doing. Uh, that's really good actually, man. So you got everyone. In fact, Jesse GM Rain thanking Johnny. Everyone should thank Johnny Hurricane because if it's not for him, I don't know that we'd be sitting right here celebrating our fifth anniversary. That's just the truth. So major props to Johnny Hurricane. He is the man. Um, anyway, that's it. If you can't tell, I am excited about the fifth anniversary. Um, when I started the site, I never, I really, I really had no idea what the hell was going to happen, to be honest. But I think if you would have asked me if I thought we'd be here five years later, I probably would have said it was 50 50. Uh, only because um, when you're starting a company, everyone tells you not to do it. They tell you you're crazy. They tell you 90 whatever percent of businesses don't last the first year. And all those stats are accurate. Um, but I, so I think they probably would have impacted me enough that I would have said it's probably 50, 50, but we made it. And again, it's all because of you guys and all my friends, Matt, you know, Sam Ruoko, who is our TriCaster TD for a really long time. Um, and Marcus, I mean, let's be honest. Marcus was the original co-host of, of game face and he did help get people on board with the site. He did bail before E3, <laughs> and it didn't end particularly well. Um, but he was down to start the show with Matt and I. Matt was our TriCaster TD back then. And he did do like 10-some episodes that did get help get people interested in Sifted. Uh, it didn't end well. Probably ended about as poorly as it could have. Uh, but otherwise... Worked out okay for me. It did. Yeah, <laughs> it did. You got an upgrade. Um, but otherwise, I still appreciate what Marcus did, that he did, in fact, try to help at first. I think he just got to the point where he's like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And I think he found a terrible way to tell us that he didn't want to do it anymore. But nevertheless, that's water under the bridge. And I appreciate what Marcus did for us as well. Okay, now let's get on with episode 215 proper. We're going to kick things off with Harry Potter. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but way back towards the end of 2018, a 
trailer leaked for a Harry Potter action RPG, and you're probably going to see it now because it's still on our TriCaster, and it looked pretty dang good. Um, Harry Potter games have not been great. They've had a couple that were passable. I would argue that some of the early movie-based ones were actually rather good. You think um, so? I like the the first three or so uh, on the original Xbox, and actually the fir- I think it's the first two at least the very least Chamber of Secrets uh, on Game Boy Game Boy Advance. Oh, I do remember that actually. Solid action RPGs. Like the first few of those were like, and then like they just sort of, I think EA started to kind of like slack on things and like just crank them out. And like by the time Deathly Hallows came out, they were literally Gears of War clones, which was just like nonsense. But um, early on, like there was some care put into it. Uh, and a couple of those I thought were at least a pretty good simulation of like running around Hogwarts, even if they weren't particularly good games. Yep. I've never played a Harry Potter game that I really enjoyed. Um, I do like Harry Potter. I wouldn't say I'm like a huge fan or anything. And I don't know a ton about like the lore. And I haven't really, I haven't read the books at all. I've only watched the films. So that actually is probably the best way to let you know how much I care about Harry Potter. I have seen them all. And I did see most of the movies in the theater. And I don't go to the theater hardly at all. So I do have an affinity for it, but I've never really played a game that resonated with me. And I think maybe to your point, what you said about the later games, I think that last impression left a lasting impression on me because you're right. Those last couple of games were these weird, like cover based shooters where you're using a magic wand. It's like, honestly, if I hadn't like hooked up, like gotten some new cables and hooked up my old original Xbox and I played a bunch of stuff that I have on my shelf that I haven't touched in forever. And some of them were those Harry Potter games. And I'm like, these are all right. Like these are, I remember these, I remember when this wasn't terrible, they were sort of trying to make legit action RPGs out of these things. And, um, like the first, first three are okay. Um, and uh but yeah like when i think of a harry potter game i pretty much you're right i pretty much think of like deathly hallows i think of like that nonsense yep and the reason we're talking about this is because leaks have started to come out around the game i'm surprised it's taken like a year and a half after that trailer was leaked before we started getting information about the game but videogamer.com published a story this week Uh, saying that it has reliable sources that has a ton of information on this game, and we're going to start talking about it. Uh, The plot, obviously a big deal if you're a Harry Potter fan, especially if you like the books, um, is actually set after the books, so it's like a sequel. Um, What do they call the three kids, the Golden Trio or something like that? What are they called? There's some name for them. Oh, like like Harry, Hermione, and and Ron? Yeah, there's some name that like fans use for them. They're called like the Golden Triangle or the Gold in the Golden Trio. Anyway, they're not in the game. Mm-hmm. It is set after that. Although they did say that you will see uh, some re- some characters from the older stuff in the game. I'm guessing that'll probably be like the professors. The professors will probably be there. I mean, also like here's the thing. I don't believe a lot of these rumors. Like the the rumor, the, like the the list of things that came out with this is basically a wish list of a hardcore Harry Potter like oh, fans really? game dream. Like this is the game. Like you, so, I have a friend who is the hardest core Harry. Like Harry Potter loves Harry Potter. Like I love Star Wars. Okay. And I learned this one way when I first met her because uh, we worked together and I was in, she was the Do I know who this is? I don't think so. Okay. She's she's young. She's like, she's like in her mid twenties and we were, so she grew up with the books and um, 
it's funny to me because we were, ta- we were I was sitting around with some of the old Attack the Show guys at this at this job we were at, and we were we, they're all our age, and we were making fun of Harry Potter stuff. How that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. And everything we'd come up with, she had an answer for she shot it in all the down. lore. <laughs> and I'm like, this is what it's like when people try to say Star Wars is stupid around me. And I was like, I was like, I get it. I see you. I see you. And um, still kind of dumb, but like it, it's <laughs> fantasy. I mean, Star Wars is dumb too. Like you yeah. can't get around it when you really think about but, it. Like, yeah. This is basically like if if you handed me this list of like the rumor bullet point thing that that popped up on Reddit for this, I would have thought she wrote it. Like uh-huh. it's exactly what Harry Potter fans talk about their dream game being. And so the two options here are someone's trolling with the thing everybody wants, or Warner Brothers started to listen to people. And which of those do you think is more likely? <laughs> so. Well, the, the weird thing about it is that one of the rumors is that the game has the Nemesis system from mm-hmm. Warner Brothers Shadow of Mordor game. So I mean, good if it does. I don't know why every game hasn't stolen that. Well, like, they said it's, it's like a truncated version of it. It's not as deep. Yeah, well, that's fine. I mean, I, I, Assassin's Creed uh, Origins and Odyssey kind of do that too. Yeah, like where the or especially Odyssey, like it's that's, that's a very light. Like, if something like that would work. I think if these rumors are true, by the way, I do think Harry Potter will probably show up in the game because the rumor says you become an Auror uh, after you graduate from the school. And in he, that's, that's what he did. I mean, Harry, that's the thing. Harry Potter uh, grew up and became a cop, um, <laughs> canonically. <laughs> and um, The timing so, for that isn't great. Yeah, not tops. <laughs> but um, I would imagine that if that is how you go with this, uh, Harry Potter will probably show up a couple times just as like sort of an up-and-coming... Maybe he won't train you or anything, but I bet you'll run into him a couple times. It I mean, well, the, the other thing, too, is that initially the title was called, like, Harry Potter Wizards Awaken or something. That was what the leaked title was. Mm-hmm. Now they're saying it's called Hogwarts Death or Hogwarts. What the hell is it called? It's Hogwarts a dark, a dark, a dark legacy. legacy. A dark yeah, legacy. that's what it is. Yeah. I don't fully buy that either because the official name of the of the brand is the Wizarding World true um now that is a bit of a mouthful for a title of a game um the other thing uh the other thing i think is a a dark legacy is just such a generic subtitle uh i would would have i mean i'm sure that's up to negotiations it's not out yet they haven't put anything out it could title anything if i were going to do that like one of the famous books that hermione continually refers to in the series is hogwarts a history so i would call i would call this hogwarts a future oh Interesting. Um, uh, back to the plot, anyway. Uh, according to these leaks, and again, as Matt said, take these with a grain of salt. I was reported by a reputable website. Sometimes they get it wrong. Um, but anyway, uh, you play as a fifth-year student who transfers to Hogwarts, and apparently there's a Death Eater that's terrorizing the school, and so it's your job to remove the Death Eater from the school and return Mogeny. Oh, oh, and uh, uh, a point that Vincent brings up that like Shadow of War is not called Lord of the Rings. No, because Lord of the Rings is not the name of the franchise. Middle right. Earth is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like true. so, it's called Middle Earth. Yeah, you know, Shadow totally of makes Power. sense. Uh, and then licensing, um, licensing, licensing. Yep. Um, and then if if you've ever used a Nemesis system in those games, and you know that basically what you're doing is you're defeating enemies and then turning them to your side. So that is what mm-hmm. you would do in this as well if the rumors are true. And then the last couple tidbits about it, there's going to be Quidditch. Surprise, surprise. Um, but the other thing is that there's going to be a Gwent-like card battling game 
inside. Um, I mean, that makes sense because the, the birdie bots, every flavor beans are supposed to come with collector's cards. Those were collectibles in the old games as well. Mm -hmm. So like turning that into some kind of Gwent thing is a pretty natural evolution, I'd say. Yep. Uh, and then the, then the final thing was... Also, I believe uh, this would take place, because it takes place after the books, it would take place in like the late 90s, maybe, maybe around the turn of the century, which would be right around Pokemon card game media. So it would make sense that birdie bots would then turn their cards into a Pokemon ripoff to appeal oh. to the wizard children at Swanlin, the time. Swanlin just brought up a good point. What if you get Harry through the nemesis system? If he's there's some twist where you end up going against him and he ends up joining your team that way, it's possible. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then here's the thing that makes me wonder if all this is true, Matt. This is the red flag for me. Is that there is a romance and marriage system in the game. Mm -hmm. That was the thing to me where I was like, okay, everything else sounded plausible, but that I don't know. Because you got to figure this game is going to be targeted at tweens or, you know, young adolescents or whatever. Is that typically, do you put romance options and marriage stuff in games for that audience? I don't know. It just, it just. Yeah. Yeah. Like for this audience? Absolutely. Like part okay. of the, I, I mean, part of the appeal of, no, part of the appeal of Harry Potter is sort of the, the character relationships and sort of the will they, won't they stuff with the main characters and, and all that and going to the dances and it said, I mean, that's definitely part of it. And like, if you're going to kind of simulate the life of this created character, like that does pretty much need to be in there. I think um, my question on that becomes, uh, will you, do you put gay romance in it? Um, mm. Because there's a huge contingent of the, of the fandom that would want that. Yeah. But uh, my guess is no. Um, <laughs> I don't right. know. That's a, Thing, things that's have changed. A, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, and of course, it's, it's like they always say, it's like, if you don't want that, just don't do it. You know, don't flirt yeah, with the boy. But I don't know I if Warner Brothers is going to be happy with losing 30% of its audience because they don't Maybe, <laughs> but like, I don't know. Like, uh, I feel if you leave that out, you're going to get a lot of, a lot of heat. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get it no matter like the, what. Like, the reason <laughs> to leave out the romance in this, to me, is not what you said. It's because you don't want to deal with that argument. That's true. That's and a if good you're point. too much of a coward to put gay romance in the Harry Potter game, just leave it out. Because otherwise, you're gonna just you're gonna piss off probably more people than you would if you put it in. Certainly, the author's not gonna tell you not to do it, so you don't really have an excuse. Yeah, well, she won't <laughs> tell you that, but she'll she'll probably tell you not to put trans kids in it. So, oh, um, oh really? I didn't know over there. Rowling has a real, uh, an ongoing problem with that. Uh, gotcha. it's, it's it's a it's a it's a larger societal issue with uh, British feminism, but. Um, it's fascinating. And like, so, so JK Rowling has kind of become, I don't know if you've heard this meme. Um, do you know uh, who Hatsune Miku is? Yep. Uh, the, 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 you know, the, the, From Neptunia. Yeah. The Vocaloid. Uh, well, no, it's not, it's not Neptunia. It's, uh, it's like, well, it's her own game. It's, it's, it's Sega games. It's, it's Sega um, singing games, like music yeah. games. She's a, she's a, virtual idol right mm -hmm. so one of the recurring memes now is when someone who makes something becomes terrible uh hatsune miku then is the one who made that so uh -oh. <laughs> she, she, she already made minecraft um so now she also wrote harry potter that, that yeah. is what i've seen going around uh, yeah. from the, from fans of the books recently um so but i don't know like rowling does have uh, a shocking amount of veto power on any project that's involved with it as part of her contract yeah so um yeah i mean that does kind of come down to what she wants uh she could potentially even force it to be in if she wanted to um she does have that kind of uh creative control as i understand it but we'll see i mean i don't expect a whole lot of progressiveness out of warner brothers for the most part in most of these things but uh you never know like it's a different world um 
coming out of quarantine and, and the protests and stuff. Um, I'm, I would be interested. I mean, here's the thing. Like I, I, this, the, the rumor describes a game I really, really want to play. Yeah. Um, I want to play it. For it sure. sounds like the sounds Harry great. Potter game that frankly should already exist. Yeah. Like it's, for sure. it's, uh, it's such a no brainer to make a creative character live through Hogwarts thing that it, it's much like, you know, much well, that's like one thing PAs. we left out actually is that you create the character and yeah. you play as the fifth year student. Like you have an, I guess you have an, they say you have an established last name, like Shepard uh in mass effect but you you create the character otherwise um which is cool like it's it's like the star wars thing with ea it's like why doesn't this exist yet like what like what <laughs> have no you brainer. been yeah. doing like it, you know yeah. it's it's crazy you know like I, fallen order even was like that it's like you, it took basically vince zampella strong arming ea to get this game made <laughs> yeah. and with this this thing it's like where is I mean I know they've been leaning hard on the mobile stuff and the the Hogwarts uh, adventure mobile game is rack, raking in the money for them. It I is yeah. for that all the time. I played it for a while until I realized that it was literally just watching bars fill up. Like there was like no a lot of mobile games. Let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but like I don't play a lot of those too. Many. You know, usually yeah. the ones I play that are of that stripe are like the the stupid uh, fighting game one, like the Marvel one. Or the Transformers one, or there's like um, they're all the same. It's just like slap yeah, they're just IP on stuff. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really. But, like, but usually the ones I play have more of a game to them, and like yeah. the Hogwarts thing is more of a ver- like visual a novel. So click, yeah, it's not even a <laughs> clicker really. It's like you tap a couple times on things, and then you just have to leave for yeah. a while. It's like I don't get it. Like I don't, I don't get it. Um, hey, Mitch. What's your relationship with Harry Potter and Harry Potter video games? It seems like it should be right in your wheelhouse at your age. Yeah, no, um, I've seen all the movies. I've read the books. Um, my friends are big Harry Potter fans. Actually, they like to make the simulation between that Harry Potter and Star Wars are exactly the same thing, except wizards and lightsabers. Um, yeah. But uh, I really liked the early games like Matt. I think they were good Sim- they were simplest. Uh, they were very simple, but they were really fun to play. Um, when the later ones really tried to take an evolution and it just didn't really work out. This one is seeing the footage that has come out for this game. I want to play this game. Like it looks really good. And I think, again, this should have came out a long time ago. And the only argument I would say to saying a gay romance in a video game is didn't Mass Effect have it and didn't it sell a shit ton of copies? So for different audience though. Mass Effect. I, I, would, uh, I, I don't I think it's I that different an audience, audience anymore. Absolutely. I would think Was it's Mass Effect rated audience. M? Yes. Yes. Yeah, there's no way a Harry Potter game is gonna be rated M. No way. Gay, gay romance, never gay romance doesn't get you an M. Yeah, I know that. But I'm just saying they're they're not the same. They I mean, are. They're pretty much the people who play Bioware. The games audiences are, are not the same. same. If you if somebody can't physically buy it well according to the law of course you can buy it i think you will find that the vast vast majority of people who want to play this specific harry potter game are definitely over 17 yeah they're the adult fans like mitch who grew up with it yeah shane that's your audience for this game that's exactly what i was going to say i said the audience is not kids the audience is my age early 20s To yeah, I guess because there haven't been people, like books and movies for this generation to get ingratiated to. Well, it. there uh-huh. has been. There's been two films um, that written by J.K. Rowling herself. Um, but uh, I think fans are wanting more Harry Potter. I mean, they had to play that. How long has recently. it been since the last film or book? Three, two years. Two years since I think? the book, right? Oh, the book. Oh, no, so, well, you know, since Deathly, Deathly Hallows was a long time ago. The Deathly yeah. Hallows was I, when I was in high school. That would have been 2010, 2011. Yeah, uh, and then the movie, and movies were like 2012, I think. 
Yeah, movie's right, 2012. I mean, that's then, almost a decade. But there was a yeah. play that came out about five years ago. and then Did you say a play? A play. Harry Potter child. and the Cursed Child. Nobody yeah. even knows that that exists. Everybody knows Everybody about knows it. Everybody knows that exists. Like, I don't. Because Obviously, you're not a Harry you know, Potter fan. <laughs> hey, Cursed Child is a legitimate like official sequel that takes place involving Harry's children. Harry's kid and everything. It is nonsense. It is absolute time travel batshit nonsense. But it is a gigantic hit, has toured everywhere. And so it, to give you an idea, so my friend uh, who I've known since I was People in chat are saying the, blow, the play blows. It does. But <laughs> if you just read it, it does. But here's the thing. So my friend took his kids to see it. Uh, we've known each other forever. We were in theater and everything together. He was a, he was a, a set designer and set builder for like most of his like 20s and stuff before he moved into electrical engineering. And he came back to me and he's like, he's like, I saw that Harry Potter thing. I'm like, yeah, it sucks. Huh? I read that thing. He's like, you need to go see it. And I'm like, why would I go see something? I know it's he's like, I have never seen stage design like this in my entire life. As someone who loves stagecraft and special effects in play stuff and live theater stuff, you need to see this because it's the most impressive thing I've ever seen. Oh, okay. And so it is more so like technically it was good. It's like, yeah, it's like a ride. It's like, it's like why people saw Avatar. Yeah, um, the only reason why they released a manuscript of the of the play was because it was in such demand. Like it was not yeah. really meant to be read like a book. It was meant to be seen as a play, and so that's yeah. where. Um, but like, if you just read it, because I, they read it, I encourage you to go find like a synopsis of it and read it because you will be like, "This isn't real. Like, there's <laughs> no way bad? this is real. It's it's." <laughs> It reads like something like a fourteen-year-old wrote, like for like Jeez. themselves. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like it's 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 not. So are you guys saying you think a Harry Potter game could be rated M? No, I'm saying a Harry Potter game is not for children. Not this one, anyway. All the other ones were. Yeah, because uh, that would, they, they, they yeah, were they children were, then. I would disagree. They were children think, then. Yeah, I was gonna say they grow up, and so when you get further into the movies, the actually the higher the age it, range it was, it turned from PG to uh, PG thirteen. Yeah, by it the did end become of it. PG. It was pretty dark. Like it's. They were, I mean, I know, they I've watched the movies. I'm talking about the games. The games were kids' games. Like they're very yeah, simple. De the Deathly, Deathly Hallows stuff was wasn't. Deathly Hallows. I mean, that's yeah. why. I think that's it is. That was that's like kid, my kid, like Gears for kids. Is basically yeah, but the reason that EA was trying to emulate Gears is because they thought it would be more appealing to an older audience that had grown up by then. Like that's the thing is like if you were 11 when you started reading Harry Potter, you were like 20. 24 when that series ended so um it's like kingdom hearts like the kingdom hearts fans that started when they were sora's age have their own families now for god's sake yeah um in fact it's almost a similar time span um because you can't you gotta remember like the first harry potter book is 22 years old i know like, that shit's yeah, old nuts. now <laughs> and crazy. um it's uh so i think this game much like how fallen order was targeted at you know people our age and you know 30 somethings basically um, the, at least, the very least, I think you could fairly say that Fallen Order is targeted at people who grew up with the prequels and are adults now. Um, and sure, you could give that game to a kid and they'd probably be fine, but like that's not who they're thinking of when they're making that game. And I think the same is true with this one. Um, the Harry Potter brand is, is wide enough and big enough and covers enough people that are all over 18 that I don't think you need to pander to children. The children will play it anyway. Um, also, the children... The children are mad. Uh, the children are, are <laughs> very. Are the children are very different these <laughs> yeah. days. Believe me, I've seen my niece play Civilization Six, and it's like she makes up weird stories and like like types out like profanity filled rants about the the, the enemy leaders she's she's fighting, <laughs> and like does like whole like long screeds about how she's going to crush them. And and the, I mean, it's astounding. Like the, the the children have some things going on. 
they can handle some gay romance in there, Harry Potter. <laughs> I promise you. Okay. Um, well, and also, I mean, you remember that footage, uh, though the, the original footage that leaked. I'm, I'm, I because I can't see the feed. We don't have. I don't have. Yeah. I can't we see what the rolling. Mitch is rolling. Yeah, people blowing up in that shit. Yeah, it looked like it was a team I mean, game for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's test footage, so maybe they wouldn't be that violent in the final product. But like, clearly, they're they're going for like people getting ripped apart by magic. I mean, the, some of the some well, of the kills actually, in that test Matt, footage I'll, is so, like Matt, actually a scene in it, and I'll play it right now for the people that can watch it. Literally, an axe flies through the door and stabs one of the opponents. So mm-hmm. like there's that's pretty gruesome and like literally dropping yeah. building on top of somebody like it's pretty gruesome. Yeah. So yeah. guys, what do you, what percentage do you think that would you would say that these rumors are true? Matt, you go first. Like I'm going to say it's like thirty percent true. Ooh. Okay. What about you? It, Mitch? It's just too it's just, it's too good to be true in play here for me. Okay. What about you, Mitch? I'll go wishful thinking. So I'll say forty percent, but. Uh, it's it's not wishing very hard. Per- there. It's too many perfect <laughs> things to line up. Like that's not really couple. wishful thinking. Forty percent. I think well, you need to be over fifty to be positive. Uh, well, I'll say. 40. I hear what you're saying, though. You're more positive than Matt, at least. Yeah, um, exactly. That's not hard. I'm actually going to go fifty fifty. Um, I think it may, it all makes sense. I think after talking with you guys about it, it actually makes more sense to me now than it did before because there were some things that didn't line up for me that I had questions about. You guys actually basically completely satisfied those concerns. So um, I'm going to go 50-50. I think it makes sense. I think the timing is right. Um, I think a lot of the things that we're hearing make sense that Warner Brothers is publishing the game. Um, I think you're right, Matt. I think it is. it could be another one of those. I'm just going to make a wish list and put it on Reddit and tell everybody I know what's going on. It's totally possible that that's the case. Um, it's not up to me to vet videogamer.com's sources. Mm. We rely on them to vet their sources. And then we report on what they report. So I'm going to go 50-50. I'm a little more convinced that it's that that's legitimately what the game is going to be. I also think that it just makes sense for the game. Like, that's the game that they should make. So Warner Brothers is pretty good. They don't generally put out junk. And so I'm going to put a little bit more faith um, in Warner Brothers as a publisher um, and say 50-50. But... As you can see, none of the three of us are over 50%. So take all that information with a huge grain of salt, but it's always fun to talk about Harry Potter. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Stadia. We haven't really talked about Stadia in months, and the reason is is because because there's been nothing to talk about. The only news items around Stadia since it launched have all been bad. It's all been, oh, we're delaying this. This isn't coming online until later. Um, oh, that one article that went up like last week or something, I think it was last, I don't remember time has no meaning anymore, but like, it was like this past week, I think where someone basically was like, yeah, Google might've overestimated how many people want to stream video games. It's like, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here we are games, though, Shane, they gave us some free games last month. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what they're trying to do though. They're trying to buy favor at this point, but they can't because everyone is giving away free games. Like, if you guys have ever linked your Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account and therefore have Twitch Prime and have subscribed to our channel, then you know that you get free games from that too. It's mm-hmm. like when you go to Twitch, it's like every two weeks I go there and I got another 10 games to claim. I don't even know anymore what games I own because I have just games strewn everywhere. I got Steam. <laughs> I got Epic Game Store. I got these weird games that I'm claiming on Twitch. I don't even know where do you get those games that you get on Twitch. 
You go to uh, Amazon you, and download you, them? No, you can go through, uh, I guess it is kind of through Amazon, but you go through Twitch has like a library thing system as well. It's insane. Like, I don't even I don't know. know. I've never actually done it. I don't even know what games I own anymore because you're just getting free games from every direction. Now you're getting Xbox Live free games and PlayStation Plus free games. It's bizarre that they would think that giving away a couple games would change anyone's favor in this, at this point because Especially everyone it, is doing Even it. if you give away games on Stadia, you're not really giving them away because when Stadia yeah, goes away, them. those games go away. You don't own like, them. <laughs> it's not even as permanent as the Epic Game Store giveaways. Yeah. Well, anyway, as I said, we haven't talked about it in months and months, and that's because there's nothing going on. Well, this week, something did start happening. And again, it was something that's really bad. And CD Projekt Red put out a press release last week saying that the Stadia version of Cyberpunk 2077 will not be available day and date with all the other versions of the game. And the only thing CD Projekt Red would commit to was by the end of 2020 for Stadia. And, I mean, you, you're probably seeing it right now. Stadia, this is so important for Stadia that they signed a big partnership with CD Projekt Red for it. Put out CD Projekt Red put out a trailer just for the Stadia version. That is a huge deal. They don't put out media for this game hardly at all. And they put out a trailer just for the Stadia version. So this was a big deal. This is what Stadia needs. It needs these gigantic games. Now, obviously, it's not going to get The Last of Us Part Two. It's not going to get Ghost of Tsushima. But it needs all the huge third-party games to be there day and date. And now we're seeing that it's simply not going to be the case for arguably the biggest game release of the year. It, Matt, is it a case of Stadia can't catch a break? Or do you think that it's just been poorly managed? Or do you think that the idea was just doomed from the beginning? Yes. All the above? <laughs> All of it. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, I don't know what the what the reason is here. Like, I feel like it doesn't hurt CD Projekt to have this thing on Stadia day and date. So yeah, it all. makes so it makes and I don't know what they would need to really do. So it makes me wonder if the problem here is on Stadia's end somehow. That I mean, um, yeah, I think it definitely is. So uh, I mean, I I think if you go back through our archives here, you will see that I've been calling Stadia a, a yep. you know dead in the water since the instant they announced it because like again, solution in search of a problem. Nobody needs this. Not in the West, Not in the American market anyway. Um, and like. You know, I, I have several game dev friends that that hold fast to the idea that Stadia is for uh, breaking into the Chinese and Indian markets, where hardware 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 sales are are very, basically impossible. Oh, they're and, all bootleg, and and software is all bootleg, and no one wants to buy actual games. But if you give them the ability to just stream it uh, and make basically, it's the iTunes model. If you make it easier to buy it than to pirate it, people will do that instead. Yeah, you got to make it um, cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're blowing that too, but um, they are. Yeah. It's. Uh, but here, I just don't see why anyone would care. And like, even the people, and the people that are also like tech savvy enough to know why it works and why it would be maybe an interesting way to play your games, are also tech savvy enough to know they're not getting anything for their money. So, you know, there's there's no upside to it. Um, uh, the McWomble's asking in chat if Cyberpunk doesn't do well on Stadia, which considering it's coming out months after the other versions, it's highly probable that it Probably won't. Probably not, yeah. Um, what chance is there that it gets shut down? I mean, 
better than average. You would have had like, a year at that point. You would basically have a year of Stadia. Google's given things less of a chance. It has. I mean, yeah. I feel like you'll get a year out of this thing, and they might even double. Down. I mean, look, if Anthem can be up as long as it has been. Um, then this might get another shot. Like I could see Google kind of saying like, all right, you got another year to turn it around and that's it. Um, and then pulling the plug after eight months anyway. You kind of um, need to wait till your first party stuff starts coming out though, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you can't, you, give think, up until, <laughs> you can't give up until Jade Raymond's game comes out. Is that fair? You'd like to think that, wouldn't you? But I mean, Google's I, I done weirder like shit. It has, but I do feel like even Google would be like, look, we, we, we built this studio. We hired Jade to come in here and lead our studios. They we can spend even- that money and never notice it. It's true. It does. I mean, like if they, if some if some high level middle manager decides that he doesn't want to keep answering these emails anymore, it'll end. That's true. Like, that's really all it takes. <laughs> it is true. Um, Which sucks because, like, at that point, you're looking at like, what are we at? Almost eleven years since a Jade Raymond game came out. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, the, everything she works on keeps getting canned by people with no vision. Or they, I mean, we don't really know. It could be that the projects just aren't working out. Who knows? Um, I, but, I, I, but your point is true, well but like, I really have a hard time believing that whatever Jade Raymond wanted to make in the realm of Star Wars was not worth playing. Oh, I agree with that. Totally. Um, but they may feel like it wasn't going to generate the money that they're trying to generate from those games. Who knows? Um, oh, but sure. your point is well taken that Jade Raymond has not shipped a game in a really long time. Um, Since and like, look, I Am Alive, maybe? Or was she on that game? Yeah, it was her project for a long time. I forgot that for some reason. It might be. It might be the last one. And that game wasn't good, so mm. I I don't know. I, but I still feel like if you're going to invest that much money, you don't do that until seeing what comes of it. Um, so I feel like shutting it down this year, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they'll get at least two years. Um, and then you not even take it into consideration all the R&D budget they've put into Stadia. Um, and you're right. You know, that's a drop in the bucket to Google, but stockholders might not be too happy if they find out that Google's just throwing around money like that. So the stockholders be... won't care as long as the stock price stays up, though. Well, that's Stadia. what I'm saying, though. It may yeah, not but stay Stadia is not going to impact that. Like, it really won't. Like, it's I really bet... crazy to think about a business so big that the mm-hmm. failure of something as gigantic as Stadia has no negative impact on well, that's the, the thing. Like Stadia is not that's particularly insane. big by Google standards. Well, I mean, as far as what they've invested in its development and all the hires that they've made and the facilities and all that, oh, sure, crap, it adds but up. But Google is such a broad company that, like, it's it's just a drop in the bucket. Like, it's you mean yeah. even I mean, the, the probably closest you got to something that caused that kind of a scandal—not scandal, but like some kind of a shareholder sort of like thing was the Google Google Glass. Um, which, you know, maybe that failed in part because of how hard it is to say, but um, the, uh, the failure of that, not just because it, not because it was a ton of money spent on it or like it impacted their bottom line or that, but because it was so public, yeah. it was so promoted and it was on all the mainstream news channels. Well, and, I mean, like, they tried to launch a competitor yeah. to Facebook that fell on its face. So yeah. and, and, like, but I guess, <laughs> it's really like, that's public. the thing. I mean, I think people, ca- they care more about like looking bad to, you know, in the in the press and in the mainstream, then this thing that we spent money on got canceled. And frankly, I think if you talk to most like normal people, they don't know what Stadia is. So it's not going to be egg on the face of Google to the degree that it would severely impact stock prices. So I don't think it matters in the end. But I think you're right. It will get definitely until the end of the year. Like I can't see them pulling the plug until at least a year of attempting and probably more. I, mean, I think I think we'll probably be talking about the closure of Stadia sometime around a year from now. Is the question be 
coming though um how the the value of first party games and is the question really becoming even if jade raymond let's say jade's game comes out next march which mm-hmm. it won't we we it's pretty much guaranteed that it won't but let's just say for sake of discussion that it does and it gets like a 9.5 or higher aggregate score is that enough to save stadia Probably not. Is there anything that can save it? I mean, that's what I'm really getting at. I mean, now, obviously, if every PlayStation 4 exclusive suddenly went to stage, sure, <clears throat> then it could change. But realistically, so. is there anything that can save it? I don't think so. I mean, it's like, look, I don't care how neat the car looks or how cool the radio is. You made you made a car with square wheels. Yeah. Like, there's no Does way to fix that. Um, like, the concept is flawed, and that's the end of it. And, like... And it's not like I'm not willing to subscribe. It's like I subscribed to Apple Arcade um, once I upgraded the OS on my computer enough that I could actually run it because um, I wanted to play Oceanhorn 2 and a couple other exclusives on there just to see. But you know what? Uh, Apple Arcade is five bucks a month and yeah. works on all my devices already. And I don't pay any extra to play anything on it. Apparently Apple Arcade is very well. I don't, I don't doubt it because it's, a, it's the Netflix system. Well, it's Apple. Super, Everything it's Apple does, it just turns to gold. It's, it's cheap enough. That's the thing, though. It's cheap enough that, like, I don't feel like I don't look at my credit card statement at the end of the year, of the month and be like, oh my god, I'm spending right. so much on Apple Arcade. You know, it's like no, it's what I spend on a couple of coffees or one right. coffee, really. Yeah. And like, I get like all these games that anything I see on that service I want to play, I just download it and I play it. Like it's yep. it's it's a Netflix model that it works. Like it's it not does. they're not charging me sixty bucks on top of the five bucks a month for Oceanhorn two because I'm not going to do that. Yep. So like I don't know what their revenue model is, but if it's working for them, great because I'm in on that. If Stadia was more like that, I would probably be interested. Hey Mitch, it, can you see any way that Stadia survives over the long term? Also, the Apple Arcade stuff installs to your local hardware again. It the does. streaming thing is pointless. Yep. Yeah, the only honestly the only thing you know, it's an interesting time for them because there is a jump to next gen. And so if they're having difficulties with just getting Cyberpunk to run, like I'm just can't imagine what it would what they're trying to deal with with next gen hardware stuff. But I, honestly, the only thing that would ever make me go to the platform is a game I have to play. And if they can't provide that for me, I have no reason to go. The other thing, too, is that the Navi cards are coming out before PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, but not by a lot, because obviously they're coming out in a few months and the Navi cards still aren't there. Um, So how does Stadia even handle next gen if the cards aren't even available? That might be part of why this is happening. It might be. Might yeah. be have to wait for the better cards. I don't think people realize that you're actually playing on a PC. Like it's a PC in some warehouse, like hundreds or thousands of miles away. But that game is actually being played mm-hmm. on a PC. It's not oh. like this weird, like magic. Like they're just basically beaming the video signal from that PC that it's being played on to your television screen. I also, wonder, Kevin I was- Rafa brings up a good point where he says that Half-Life Alex got review scores through the roof and didn't move the needle on VR sales. So well, it did. It did move the needle. It did. Um, Not to quite, any appreciable degree. I mean, like it, it didn't make it like a smash hit, but no. it did give it a blip um, at the very least. But if ha- that's all Half-Life does, right. Jade Raymond's game is not going to, yeah. you know, you've got people point. in the chat here already asking who's Jade Raymond. 
Like they didn't you know, <laughs> Did somebody really ask that? Yeah. Yeah, Sneaky Charlotte Snake doesn't know who she is. I mean, she's not well, a household name exactly anymore. Yeah. Shane, to tell you, I don't. I didn't know who Jade Raymond is until you guys talked about her. Like I never really? knew who she was. No, I, I, I don't know who she is. Uh, and the other I mean, thing part I was, of that is because she intentionally moved out of the spotlight after she got treated so horribly during the Assassin's Creed press tour. Yeah. So. I mean, she doesn't want to be known, really, when you get down to it. Well, I mean, she intentionally went underground. I mean, yeah. I don't blame her. The way that she threats will do that to you. Yeah, yeah. And, and you were, and during that time of like the you're saying Assassin's Creed is when she did this. That was the time where I really was starting to pay more attention to video games, media, and people that work on games because. I was at that age where I could focus on something like that. So she kind of snuck under the radar right before I could even know she existed. Um, Because she was the face of Assassin's Creed. See, I didn't know that. The The first one, yeah. Yeah. Um, But the last thing I did want to say really quick was uh, when we were talking about everything, um, you know, you made up a great point of... That really does blow my mind, Matt, that people don't know who she is. Does it blow your mind? No, not at all. Really? Why would they know that? She's been out of the spotlight for almost a decade. Yeah. Well, I, don't know. I, I was going to say, you make a great point of the aspect of the game itself. Of I wonder if maybe they pushed it longer because they want it to run the PS5 version, the Xbox Series X version, instead of it's the, possible. So that's maybe why they're pushing it because I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that they'll have a PS5 version available. Well, they w- that wouldn't be anything to, related to Stadia because this thing would just be running the PC version at high settings. But like, I have a feeling maybe that's the issue is that they don't have that version done yet. And they're like, we want that well, version. No, that version is done. Like, I promise you the PC version just needs to turn the settings up and you're done. Like, oh, yeah. it's it was not the same thing. It's PC. built for that. The problem that we're talking about is that the new cars that can do all those weird bells and whistles and like whatever the, you know, the high level ray tracing and stuff, they just, they don't exist yet. They're not out yet. So if you don't have those cards and can't slam them into the, the blades at the server farm, you can't then stadia the the game looking the way Stadia is trying to sell it is looking. It's not going to look, that's the problem. It's not going to look any better than a PS4. So in a right. sense, you're right. They're waiting for the PS5 version, but it's, they're not waiting for the PS5 version to be done. Like I don't, and I don't even think there's really a PS5 version. I think it's just going to be when you run it on the PS5, just like a computer, just like a PC, it will be able to do those effects because of the hardware it has access to on this yeah. on this it's, box. Yeah, the, it's in the code, and then it's the, basically you're triggering the effects if you yeah. have the card that can do it. That's, that stuff is always in like you know the console, console games don't have like usually usually some right. kind of like limiter on that. It's just how far the hardware can go. It's why you can rip a Wii game like Xenoblade Chronicles, put it in on a PC, uh, play it on Dolphin at 4K, and it actually looks pretty darn good. Because, yeah, you could do it on the with the yeah. N sixty four as well with the Ultra like HLE. Like Super Mario Galaxy, like just running off the disc in four K on the on the Dolphin, gorgeous. Like yeah, it's yeah. all there. Like yeah. it's all there. It's it's in there. Like you just you just have to tweak some settings and turn up some anti aliasing, and it looks great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, that's not a, a huge ask, especially because obviously they know it's coming. Like they're you know I I guarantee you beyond some some minor tweaks or minor details, they've always known that they need to make sure this thing can run on the next gen systems. So that's all going to be part and parcel, especially because this thing comes out, what, two months before the new systems do like it's, it's, it's going to be done for those at the same time, pretty much. You might have to download another patch, but yeah, this, I think Shane's right. And this is probably stadia is not going to have the hardware to do it to maybe to their satisfaction, maybe to to CD project red satisfaction. Like, I don't know. That might be Um, part of the problem actually is a CD project red is like, you're not, 
putting our game out looking like that on day one. I mean, that yeah. could be it. They could just could not be. have it to a place, and maybe they tried it on Stadia, and they're like, oh, my God, this looks like ass, and no way, way in hell people are going to play our game looking mm. like this on could also one. be That could be when Stadia is finally going to get that account system up and running. That uh, could be, too. Uh, You're right. Where you pay for the 4K and free gets 1080p. Maybe they don't want it there until that's in place, so you can play it in proper 4K. Like I, you know, like a lot of stuff. Stadia doesn't do a lot of the things that that announcement video claimed it would do yet. Yeah. So maybe maybe CD Project, maybe CD Projects don't want to be part of that until like it's feature complete. I don't know. Like yeah, but I, mean, I don't blame them if they do. I don't either. I mean, Stadium's Stadia's running out of time is what it's really coming mm-hmm. down to. It's getting to the to the inflection point where it needs to crap or get off the pot. Yeah, well, it's becoming increasingly clear that they launched that thing a year early. Way too early. And I don't know why. I really don't. No, I don't know. like they were racing to beat someone else to the pot. I mean, ev- cloud gaming is a thing, and obviously mm-hmm. Amazon's probably working on something and blah, blah, blah. But there was no immediate threat. There was nobody who had come out and said, well, xCloud, I guess, but that's all. I mean, I, I think they probably to. just... They probably do see did see an imminent threat that like if you told us what they saw, we would have been like, You're out of your mind. Like yeah. I bet they did see something internally that was just like they could only see it through their weird lens. Hey, it might have been Apple Arcade for all we know. Like, which is crazy, but yeah. Google thinks they're in direct competition with them all the time, no matter how weird their take on things is. So I mean, you never know. Like clearly Google corporate culture sees the world in a certain way that is not necessarily the way people who are in that world see it. Um, and Stadia seems to be the latest example of that. So, Sneaky Charlotte Snake says, uh, wasn't Witcher 3 horrible at launch, so maybe Cyberpunk could have some issues. It's a fair Still point. is. I have Still, uh, to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, no. Um, I mean, it, it, they had problems, but not on PC. I played it on PC and it was pretty much fine. So yeah. I don't think that is an issue here. Like the Witcher okay. 3's problems were console driven and still isn't really that good on PS4. Yeah. Um, so I have a hard time believing that is the case unless the Stadia plan is to run it off of PS5's in a, in a server farm somewhere. I don't think that's an issue. Eth Demon is saying the Stadia's competitor is GeForce Now. It was GeForce Now even like a blip on the radar when they were p- deciding when to put this thing out though? Like I didn't hear GeForce about GeForce Now. Now has been a, well, we didn't, it, dude, it's been available for like years mm-hmm. and like nobody even knew it existed. So but that's exactly it. It's like, why are you rushing to market to compete with this thing no one even knows they failed. have? I know. I mean, and also why wouldn't you look at, look, NVIDIA isn't some little ma and pa store. NVIDIA is gigantic. So mm-hmm. why wouldn't you look at, hey, NVIDIA works in this space and they tried to make it work and couldn't. And I don't know, people get very full of themselves and think that they can find the better way to do it. They can build the better mousetrap and a lot of money is wasted along the way. And that might end up being all Stadia is at the end is just a big, huge mm-hmm. waste of money. Well, next time they should call me first. Yeah. Or talk to anybody. Talk to any of us. We've been saying this since they announced it. Go hang out at Pactor's party for like an hour and yeah. you, will, you will find out. That that Walk was around and just talk to a couple of people and you could have figured out and saved a lot of money on Stadia. At the All very right. least, they could have helped you come up with a better name for it. That's true. That is true. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Kurt Schilling. Uh, we God know how much you guys it. love baseball <laughs> and we know how much you guys can't wait for baseball to come back. Do you know, by the way, that the average age of the World Series viewer is 57 years old? 
This ball's an old man's game. <laughs> 57. The average age of the World Series viewer. It's crazy. Like um, at that point, because of human lifespans, you, you, you hit a point where no one under a certain age is watching. You're right. I mean, like I don't certain, watch baseball. And I'm in my I don't either. 20s. I hate Neither baseball. Do I. I like baseball. I like sport. I, baseball is probably the closest thing I have to a sport I like watching, except maybe except hockey live. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I will go see a live Great. hockey game pretty much anytime. Yeah. Um, I, I don't follow sports. Baseball. It was my favorite sport yeah, like to playing. play, but I hate watching it. I've never. Well, I like I like going to baseball games, but I don't pay attention to the baseball game. If that makes it, I just like being there. You know, yeah. I, I've been to Dodger games. I like going to the game. I like smelling the grass and eating the hot dogs and hanging out with people and drinking the beer in the sun and, and cheering and yelling at people and stuff. But like, I couldn't tell you what the fuck happened in any of the Dodger games I've ever been to. Like, I have no <laughs> idea. I was not there to watch a baseball game. I was there to be near one. Yeah. Um, and like, but I like, I mean, my dad loved baseball like early on, like when I was a young, young, young kid, like some of my earliest, like good memories with him are baseball related. I yeah. remember, uh, and you know how little I care about sports, right? Like you, yes, you know I am well aware. You have a jersey um, that says like sports team on the front. Yes, of from the, the something awful jersey, a uh, uh, city name sports team. Yes, yeah. popular player. <laughs> on um, the back it says popular player. <laughs> it's so great. So, and I'm gonna, and I'm actually gonna screw up his name because I can't remember his name properly. I think his name is Gibson. Is it the, is a World Series thing? Dodgers. Kurt Gibson, yeah, Kurt Gibson. he hit that he big hit home that, yeah. run, yeah. So I, I that that happened while my my dad was in my room with with on my on my computer doing his sitcom stuff, and mm -hmm. I was sitting in there, and he had it on because he watched baseball constantly, and he and he leans over and starts watching this, and he goes, "You might want to watch this because something this is might, the one might thing you might want to watch." Yeah, and I and so I watched, it, I saw sure it happen, and, I, and it was <laughs> and he's and he's in my dad uh, should be noted. I grew up in San Francisco, but my dad hated the Giants. So he was rooting for the Dodgers at all times. So oh, like geez. that was what he this, was so which is excited. the Giants' biggest rival. Yeah. So he was so excited for that. And I still to this <laughs> I will always remember that. Like that sports moment because like I saw it with my dad and and it was like he was so excited and he was happy for the rest of the day, which was not common. And, uh, <laughs> that's why you really remember it. And, people um, are probably wondering why yeah. the hell we went down a baseball hole. Well, the reason we went down yeah. a baseball hole is because Kurt Schilling, literally probably one of the top five pitchers of all time, I would say. And I know he pretty well. Yeah, he finally got the Red Sox to win a World Series after like 80 years or whatever with the bloody sock and blah, blah, blah. Now, to be but fair, anyway, I only know any of that because of this game. That's true. And that's why I'm talking about it because people are like, why are you talking about Kurt Schilling and baseball? It's because he was one of the rare cases of a jock who loved video games. He was even loved when, video games, World loves. of Warcraft. So yeah. even when he was an active player, people would talk to him all the time about video games after games. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, so what are you playing now? He's like, oh, you know, I go back to my hotel room. I've got my lap, my $5,000 laptop and I play you know, lit world of Warcraft all night. And then I get up and I go to practice and then I play and then I do it all. And so anyway, he has more money than he knows what to do with. And he's like, well, I love games. I'm going to start a studio. And so he did. It was called 38 Studios. 38 was his number when he played in MLB. And they started working on an action RPG called Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. Well, they started working on an MMO. Right. At first, you're right. First. They showed like a couple screenshots. Yeah, because he wanted to do an MMO like World of Warcraft, but his yeah. MMO. And then over the course of that project, it became clear that like this was harder than he thought it was. So they decided to make this action RPG to kind of like put something out, establish the world and make some money so they could keep going on the MMO. 
Um, it should be noted that he no longer has more money than he knows what to do. With <laughs> because of this. Yes. So, so what happens is the game comes out, it completely tanks, it doesn't do anything. It was published by EA, by the way. He had a big yeah. publisher to publish the game. Yeah, big stuff. Like Ari Salvatore wrote the, the world bible. For, I mean, he he went out and got the best. He did it right. He like he went about it the right way. But he, 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 did, he poached people from the Tekken team to do the combat. Yeah. Like he did he went like they did some real shit here. They tried. And the end result was like a middle of the road action RPG. That yeah, was, it was um that's sparks but it couldn't sustain no it was it is one of the most boring things i've ever played <laughs> and even though the combat is good i like guess the combat's good but like you out level it in about 20 minutes and nothing is ever a threat to you again yeah the you get to where you're like one shotting stuff like yeah. four hours into the game and it just becomes like mom maybe i'll switch to the chakras and like chakra blades and see if i can win doing that and it's like it, you just become, you start experimenting with stuff to try, and like you get to places. I played. There's like, I think there's eight zones, like big areas, like it's it's, it's like a like an open world sort of, but you like Ish, go from zone yeah. to zone. Um, like there's no loading, but like each area is like kind of the different biome, and you run through like a narrow passageway to get to it. So it's like kind of that works that way. It's like, it's like World of Warcraft, I guess, yeah. in that sense. But I think there's like eight of those zones and each of the zones is almost as big as a normal action RPG. And I played for like a hundred hours. I don't even know why. Oh, Lord. And I got through four of them. Like I was not even <laughs> anywhere close. Like, I, I, like it's just endless side quests of like just complete fetch, kill, foozle nonsense. Like it's, and I can't remember a single character. I can't remember a single thing I can't, about it's, the story. It's because there's nothing the remarkable premise. about it. Uh, Miguel Lopez re reviewed that game for game trailers. Um, I almost reviewed it, and at the last minute, something came up. I had to go out of town or something, and so I passed it on to Miguel. Did someone shoot a gun at you and you dodged the bullet? Because that is what I think what actually happened there. The funny part was, though, it was interesting watching him play the game. And this is one thing I do miss about having an editorial team and working in an office with a team, is that the first day he came in, He's like, it's good. He's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how good it is. He's like, I played it until like four in the morning last night. I can't wait for more. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, that's great. That's encouraging. I go home. We come back in the next morning. Three How's it going? Later. He comes into my office and he's got those eyes. Like, mm -hmm. well, <laughs> and every successive day after that, it just got worse and worse mm -hmm. and worse until he came into my office and was like, do I need to finish this? <laughs> he's that's like, I played like, 40 or 50 hours and and I can't even remember what I told him. I think I told him he had to finish it actually. <laughs> I think I did make him finish the game. Poor Miguel. If I did, that is sorry. a lot. I, it, yeah. But it, well, you know, GT man, our editorial was air freaking tight. And that's the way I liked it, and that's the way yeah. I ran it, and that's why our reviews exploded because we were airtight. So, but I promise you, after forty hours, you know everything <laughs> you need to know about Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. <laughs> like, <it's>, absolutely. Uh, I'll, so anyway. I'll admit, I will admit that I go back to that game every once in a while. Like, I have it installed on my Xbox One. I actually, for five bucks, I got it on my PC on Steam at one point and played it for a while there. Um, like, in terms of like a bite size, like if it was like a 12, 13 hour, really story heavy action RPG. Like, I think it would have a really good rep now. The problem is, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's the poster child for needless filler bloat. Yeah. Lots of pointless side quests, repetitive side quests. It just feels like you're doing the same thing over and over again. Cause yeah. I did end up going back to play it for like game of the year stuff at the end of the year. Cause it came out 
like in February, like, like I think February, it was. January, February. Yeah, it was yeah, really like really early. early. And I did go back and play it uh, towards the end of the year for game of the year stuff. And after I played like a few hours, I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I get yeah. this. And it was like it was like the rev. I remember like when it came out because you know we got a few copies of it. We were actually we'd done a lot of stuff with 38 Studios on the show. Uh, Adam was kind of buddies with Kurt by then, like because I thought it was really cool. Like I was very high on the excited about the game because I played you know little bits of it and it stuff. It came out and, like, better than I thought great. it was going to. I'll say and that. I loved. It. I talked to the guy who was designing the combat for a while, and like everything he said sounded good. Like they, their philosophies on it were great. They were timing things down to the frame. Like it was like a fighting game. Like, you could do some really cool stuff with it. You could still could when it came yeah. out. It was still there. Yeah. Like the fighting game moment to moment, the fighting system moment to moment is solid. Yeah, but like. It came out. It is exactly like you said. You go home the first night, and it was like, "Wow, this is good! Like this is like it's big environments and stuff to do, and fighting's crazy." Da, da. And like a day later, two days later, you're like, "Oh, th- this, <laughs> this, is, this is all it is. This yeah. is it. Like it's not going to stop." And by the and time the, you get I, to the third or fourth day, it's all over. Yeah, and you can see that map, and you can see how far you have to go, and it's just like no. Yeah, and and like yeah, and yeah, I think we gave it a two out of five. I don't uh, even remember what GT gave we, it. We were we were no longer we different. were no longer buddies with Kurt anymore. <laughs> that was, now he hates Adam, I'm sure. <laughs> so you guys are probably wondering because he's turned out to be kind of a douchebag ultimately. Oh, well, a, li- a bit. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> um, so anyway, you're probably wondering why we're talking about this, and that's because the game is being remastered for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. It's coming mm-hmm. out August 18th. I really didn't see this one coming. I can't. Well, nobody can because what happened with the game, and we haven't even shared this part of the story yet, is that it came out, it completely flopped. And what had happened was Kurt Schilling's company, 38 Studios, had taken loans from the state of Rhode Island. There's a lot like, like in Canada, they have like this arts thing where like if you're making games, like they will subsidize some of your costs of making video mm-hmm. games. It's like an arts endowment or whatever. Cause, uh, cause like, they, and like this was like Rhode Island basically wanted to attract tech. Yeah, because they wanted so. other game developers to come to Rhode Island mm-hmm. and they were giving them tax breaks and they gave them like a big loan. Yeah. Cause they saw what was basically what was happening in Raleigh, North Carolina, North Carolina and they're yep. like, we well, could do that too. So that's yep. what that was. And that was the plan. And what ended up happening Happening was because the game tanked so hard, he was unable to pay back the loans that Rhode Island had given him, and Rhode Island had to go after him in court. And then once Rhode Island filed its case, then the SEC also filed a case for fraud. That dragged through the courts for years. Mm-hmm. And just, I guess it was about a year and a half ago, they settled it out of court for an undisclosed sum. Now, um, Kurt Schilling called it a whatever witch hunt or whatever the crap he did after they settled. So I don't know who actually won the settlement. It wasn't made public, but just I'm going to guess he didn't win. I'm going <laughs> to guess they do, but I don't know for sure. So I'm not going to say that. My guess would be that that is the case. So as you can see, there are all these entanglements around this game financially, um, legally. So I am shocked. That no, one was even, no one was even sure who owned Amalur the IP. at the end of all like, that. Yeah, because they did end up, like 38 did end up selling some of yeah, that and stuff. I think at a, at a certain point, I think Rhode Island owned it yep. and like got rid of it. Yeah, because the courts maybe gave it to them or something. Yeah. And then as like some kind of thing. Like, yeah, you, you can pretend that's worth something. Bought like, out of bankruptcy like, court. But anyway, it's coming back. This may be the most surprising remaster that we've had this generation. Because yeah, one, mean, it probably shouldn't be remastered. Two, it doesn't really need to be remastered. The problem, no, it, with it the looks game fine. Yeah, that wasn't the problem with the game. No, like I, because I, 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 THQ Nordic, right? 
Is that yeah. right? Yeah, because yeah. like I, they, when they got it, I remember they, they like an update hit. I think I want to say an update hit Steam for it. Oh, and I was like, what the hell? Who is updating? <laughs> and it was probably just like adding their logo or whatever. Yeah. Um. But I but I loaded it up and played it for a little bit again, and it looked um, at least on PC, it looks fine. Like it doesn't look great, but like. I don't look at that and be like, you know what you should you should do? Remastered it. Like even right. on Xbox the One X, it looks it okay. Needs, it needs like redesigned, it, not remastered. Yeah, it, it's not you don't you're not gonna solve anything by making it look better. I mean, if you could do like a Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition pass on it, like fix the menus and fix like a bunch of the dialogue yeah. stuff, like that could help, but I feel like that's not what has been done here. Vincent is asking, um, do you think that they could remove some of the bloat in the remaster? I mean they could. Um, I don't know if uh, if a bullet point you would want on a remaster is now with less content. But like, <laughs> yeah. In this well, case, it might be your one yeah. example of, of when you'd want that. It's true. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think they'd want to put that much money into it, to be honest with you. Probably not. Like, I just don't think that they would want to go back and tear into the code and start coding on the game again. It's just like, I feel like you just run this thing through a pass filter and yeah. call it a day. You know? <laughs> exactly. And cross your fingers that you sell like 10,000 of them. That's basically what's happening. That's THQ Nordic's MMO lately, it seems. Or MO, sorry. And maybe their <laughs> MMO um, lately is just finding these old properties, buying them for a penny on the dollar, and uh, trying to make something out of them. So, yeah. and sometimes that's a pleasant surprise. Like they, yeah. when they when they came roaring back with new Titan Quest expansions, yeah. I was like, "Are you out really? <laughs> well, really? They're in SpongeBob Square? I love that game. Battle of Bikini Bottom. Yeah, like they you know bring them back Darksiders. Like they've in, been you know, pretty smart like in general. Um, I don't know if this is a smart move. Though. This, I mean, I, uh, who knows? <laughs> I mean, if they they could keep doing stuff like continuing the Darksiders series and. Doing t- like stuff like that, like I, they can they can have their follies off yeah. on the side. I mean, it's not going to bankrupt them to put out a cheap remaster of Kingdom of Zavala. And like honestly, the response to it has been like kind of positive enough that I've seen online that like they're probably going to sell a fair amount of this. Like, yeah, it's, we'll probably sell. And you're in the middle of August. Like there's that. nothing else coming out. Like yeah. you know, mm, you they might, might do okay. You might their standards li- are lower than what EA expects, or right. but you might ride pretty even though EA put it out. Uh, you might ride pretty high on kind of the mediocre game nostalgia factor, which is a thing. Yeah. So, Mitch, did you play this game, or have you ever even heard of it? Um, I've only heard of it because Burkoff has played okay. it multiple times. Okay. So I've seen him play it, and I kind of know it's like a deep lore type game, but I've never played it personally. Um, yeah, I've, I've almost nothing to say about mm. this okay. one. But it's I would, just I, like I, I did see, though, I uh, like playing the b-roll side by side i have to agree that the game looks like it doesn't really need this remaster because yeah. it's yeah, not, that's not the that, issue <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i would say guessing to the sifters to say could you guess which one did i play as the remaster on the b-roll was it one or two because i'm really curious if they would mm. pick it out because i didn't play it in a exact order so yeah I'm anyway. interested. I, I think if you did a rewrite on some of it, it would help. Maybe like the concept is solid. Like R. A. Salvatore didn't didn't write the dialogue, but he did write the the world concept. The world concept is basically um, in this world, everything happens over and over the same way. Like fate is woven a certain way, and that's just how time flows and how events flow. And your character exists somehow outside of fate. So you can change things, which no one should be able to do in that world. So you are basically this agent of chaos that moves through this perfectly ordered world. Uh, and like, there's a lot of interesting shit to do with that. And they do nothing. 
They do absolutely nothing with it. Um, in fact, you could, if you took an, an approach the way kind of Witcher does, where Witcher sort of takes folklore and like makes it, you know, like there's elements of like Hansel and Gretel in The Witcher Three, and like you know, old folk tales that like uh, and fairy tales that like here's how kind of how they really happened, sort of thing. If you did something like that with Amalur, and they do stab in that direction a couple times, but never really do anything with it. If you really took that concept and made it like here's this world where all these familiar scenarios are playing out, but you can get in there and with your choices, like you can fuck with it relentlessly and change everything and sort of unravel it. That's fascinating. Yeah, but that's not what the game turned out to be. Unfortunately, um, there's something there, but they just weren't able. They either were unable, unwilling, or didn't have the time and money to make, um, make something that that kind of capitalized on what Ari Salvatore wrote for them as a as a baseline concept. Um, hey. And I feel like you could do something with that if you really dug in and made the dialogue a little more readable. I guess. Okay. Hey, Mitch, by the way, uh, that B-roll that's on the TriCaster, that's all from the old version. They haven't put out any footage of the remastered version yet. They haven't even put out a trailer oh. for it yet. They just well, announced it with the press release. So one of them looks better than the other, so I, I'm a little <laughs> surprised by that. It's probably just the bit rate it was recorded at or whatever. Okay. Affecting the footage. Um, so anyways, it, it does sort of continue to prove the point, though. It does. That you, you would think that. <laughs> it does actually prove the point still. Uh, so anyway, that's Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. I think... Re-Reckoning. Is it The Reckoning? It's Re-Reckoning. Re-reckoning. Oh, the, the remaster is called Re-Reckoning. Although, the way we discussed the game, I don't think people remembering the title of it is all that important because we basically just told them not, not to buy it. So, although for... You know, I'll be honest, I am going to buy it. Are you? I'm going to buy it and play it again. Not all of it. I'm not going to play 80 hours of it, but I will play it if, if, as long as it's not like full price. I mean, I assume it's yeah, going to yeah. be like 30 bucks or 20 bucks or something. Like I would like, say, if you found it for $10, pick it up. Yeah, it's That's a definite curiosity. Yeah. It shows up in a Humble Bundle one day. Yep. But uh, yeah, 38 Studios is gone. Kurt Schilling is no longer in the game development environment. Yeah. He's moved on but to it's like, being a jerk I, on television. Yeah, but it's <laughs> like at this point, like... Um, God, I don't even know if we'd bother to talk about it when it comes out because I feel like we just did it. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> just, <laughs> if they're not changing anything, what's the point, right? Yeah. How about this? I'll make you I'll make you a deal. When that remaster comes out, someone just asks that as a video as a viewer question at the end of the show. Okay. Are you like, Matt, did you play it? And I'll be like, Yeah, yeah it's all right. That's it. And that'll be it. That's uh, the, the only update you need is like, what does it look like? And do they fix anything? The answer is no, and that's the end. Okay. Like, that's it. I don't think we need a whole segment about it. All right. Okay, we're going to move on. We're going to talk next about another game from around that same era. A year or some later, though, we're going to talk about uh, Dead Island 2. This game has actually been announced since, like, early 2014. It was supposed mm-hmm. to be released at the end of 2015. Um, and now here we sit, five years later. It still hasn't come out. We've yeah, heard when was rumors. that trailer? That CG trailer with the jogger? Yeah, that came out in 2014. Like E3 2014? Yep, I believe right. it was E3. Yeah. yeah. And then it was supposed to come out the following holiday. Didn't mm-hmm. come out. And now it's five years later. Still hasn't come out. We've heard rumblings that it switched developers maybe twice, at least once. Um, Deep Silver says it's still coming. That's the publisher of the game. But I think we just got some insight into what was going on because YouTube channel Gamers Prey this week got its hands on somehow a full gameplay demo from the build from 2015, the game that was supposed to be released at the end of 2015. And in fact, it appears that the footage is from the first like 10 minutes of the game. 
because there's like this gameplay section and then there's kind of this opening cinematic that kicks off at the end. Um, first of all, Matt, what are your your impressions of, of that demo? That, uh, was um, well, so here's the thing. In mid-2014, I actually was on a project that was doing stuff with Dead Island 2 footage that I had to get capture. And I will say this, what leaked looks better than what I played. Oh, really? So what I played was clearly... I have never played something so early in my life. It was, it was like a... If we're going to use footage of this, we have to be facing a certain direction in the level sort of bad. Well, when I worked um, at GameSpot, so. we were... You know, it was owned by Ziff Davis back then. Um, now it's owned by CNET. But back then it was owned by Ziff Davis, which also owned all the magazines. Official PlayStation Magazine, EGM, Tips and, Tips and Tricks. All those magazines were all under the roof. Now, a lot of those guys were in New York or wherever, but the organization for the magazines was under was under the same roof. And um, we we always had problems because they would give us code way before everybody else and the magazines especially the code that the magazines were using to review games blew my freaking mind because they would get the code like two months before the game came out before anybody else got review code they had review mm -hmm. code because their lead, their lead times were insane they had to play the game like two months before to get it to get it done in time, write the review, get it into the magazine, and publish the magazine. And some of those builds Can you imagine that they were doing that now? Oh, Matt, some of the not builds a, that they possible. were playing, particularly for preview coverage, the review code was generally about 85 to 90% there. Some of the preview code they were sent, literally, like wireframe stuff that they're playing. Because they just, you know, they have this game, they're going to debut it, and EGM was like, well, we need to see it, or we're not going to cover it. And so they would send EGM and these magazines these terrible builds that, like, I even got some at GameSpot, because GameSpot back then was, like, number one. They were basically tied with IGN when I worked there. And then eventually IGN took the lead, and it's all history from there. Um, but even at GameSpot, like, because they wanted our coverage so bad... They would send us stuff that they had no business sending along. So I totally understand where you're coming from, Matt. Like, there's code out there that not a lot of people mm -hmm. see, unless I mean, you're doing this, kind what of like I, a B2B thing, like you were. I mean, what? I, yeah, well, I mean, what I was using was like I don't think it was even alpha. Like yeah. it was, it was yeah, like, they're not. Like I, I was because when this leaked, I was like, oh, I wonder if that's the same thing I was trying to work with, and it's not because there's like quest like markers on. Yeah, the game's so, like, there. It, there's yeah. a game there. Yeah. Um, and yeah. <laughs> it astounds me how hard it seems to be to get this game made <laughs> because it feels like you could just sort of bang another one of these things out, yeah. right? I mean, they, Here's they, they literally, they literally Here's did that. That's all you got to do. <laughs> but they literally, what was this? What's the second Dead Island thing? Is it Extinction or something? Yeah, yeah. Like, just do that again. They like, barred that it? out real quick. Yeah. And like, I mean, look, I don't really see the point of a Dead Island 2 when the people who made Dead Island, Techland, like, moved on and made Dying Light. Like, Dying Light is Dead Island 2. It is, like, yeah. Like, just and go it's way better. And, Dead Island, and Dying Light 2 looks way better than either. So, oh, like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, even though it is, I think, going to screw me on my fantasy team this year. Um, but, like... So, I don't really see the need to continue to throw, like, good money after bad on, this, on the Dead Island 2 project. Like, if it really is on its third developer or whatever. It's like, do you... 
Like, are there really that many people out there ready to bust their balls and pull their wallet out for like a $60 zombie game like that? Like, who cares? At this I point? mean, I was surprised the first one sold as well as it did because remember, it did not review well at all. It didn't review well at all, but it did have, it was like four player co-op zombie open world stuff in an era where it just didn't have the, anything like that. Yeah. Um, that was one of the there are better options really now back then yeah. not, not so much yeah. it was like my, the people that I played that with were the same people I played Left 4 Dead with um, and everyone was like just excited because for one thing like half the group was like just zo hardcore zombie fans mm -hmm. and they were excited because like to some degree like Dead Island was one of the games we when we were in chat rooms back in the 90s like we would talk about oh one day I hope there's a game that's like this and like that's basically what Dead Island was like a, a yeah. four player action RPG co-op run around shoot things hit things with sticks zombie game where you had to like you know like talk about broken though that oh, game it was terrible out. terribly broken disaster yeah, it was. So you never, funny. you never knew when you when you attacked a zombie. You never knew what was going to happen. Yeah, like it was. Yeah, just, and I, I will say this: if sequels are a reflection of the, of the initial game, that build from 2015 looks about right. Yeah, <laughs> like I just don't know. I don't understand why it. Why we're five? It's five years later, and the game still isn't available. Yeah, or even just like why it's five years later, and like it's just not canceled. Like. You, it didn't work. You didn't do it. Like that, I think like, because they just look, it's, look, it's Deep Silver. Deep Silver, a big hit to Deep Silver is a million sold. Yeah. You know, and I think they're looking at the sales from the first game and they are pushing the envelope though because the further they get away from that first game, I mean, some of the stuff you guys were saying earlier, it, the, when Mitch told me he didn't know who Jade Raymond was, that put everything in perspective for me. So nobody remembers Dead Island at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, like it's, well, that game is, it's, it's, What's nine years? It's gonna be. This is gonna be ten years old next year. It's almost a decade old. Yeah. So no like, knows what it is. So now they're getting to the point where the sales from the first game don't even really matter anymore. Like now they're no. really gonna have to sell the game based upon the game's own merits, and maybe that's why now once they got to that like five, six, seven year period out from the first game. That's where I'm, when I'm guessing they were like, oh, okay, we need to find a new developer because this mm -hmm. game actually has to be good now because we have no wave to ride to shore anymore based upon the success of the first game. Yeah, and then like I like I also just don't feel like the name Dead Island has any cachet. Like this one said in Venice Beach, it's like, and like it's not it, an island, bro. Well, the one it's set <laughs> in a lot of places. The old one was like I don't know what they're doing now, but there was a, there was there was uh, multiple cities. It was like all over California. Yeah. And um, like, I'm not sure what the plan is for the current one, but like the Dead Island name doesn't carry any weight. Like, no. I mean, there was another Dead game. Rising, I would argue. A, a Dead Island game came out in 2014 and nobody fucking noticed. Escape yeah. Dead Island. Like the, that, that the kind of action adventure game they put out. And it's like, I'm not sure why you thought that like, Zombies on a tropical island was like a strong enough <laughs> brand idea to build a franchise around, but no, like it, yeah. it didn't work out that way. Yep. Um, do you think this game's ever coming out, Matt? I mean, at this point, it feels like it has to, right? If it you're Deep Silver, does. you have thrown that much money at it, you're going to have to put something out one day. It's kind of in Duke Nukem Forever territory at this yeah. point. Where it's just, it's been this, it's like a meme at this point, the game is. Sort of. It's, it's become this like inside joke in the industry for games that are just vaporware that are never going to come out. And you just um, kind of like let it rest. I, also, I noticed on, <laughs> I noticed on Wikipedia, it's real, the Dead Island 2's release date is listed as December. Like um, this December. This December. So good luck. I mean, it could, it should. 
theoretically. It should have been done four years ago. So it's plausible um, this summer. I mean, these last couple of months would have been a good window for them to release that game if they actually have it close to being done. But I mean, um, it's it's both it was Dan Buster Studios, which uh, used to be Crytek. Yep. Um, and it's uh, their next project after Homefront: The Revolution, which was four years ago. So maybe they've been on it for a while. Yeah. So maybe it does come out this year. We'll see. But um, are you excited for it at all? I'm not, no. especially after seeing that build. And I know it's five years ago, but it still shows you that kind of what the well, direction of the franchise they wanted. Yeah, to but take. like, here's the thing, though. The build that we got leaked is not the game that will come out. Oh, like, definitely. That is, that is, that is the redone. Yeah, yeah that, is, that has nothing to do with what's going to come out eventually one day but it could someday. share concepts or ideas like if well, i mean it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a first a person zombie slap smacker video. yeah i mean yeah. one way or the other but like i don't know uh, there's only so many things you can do with that concept like um i don't know like it, it will be kind of funny if dead island 2 finally comes out before Di- dying light 2 i yeah. guess but like that was just delayed as well yeah I'll, light I'll, I'll, I'll tell you which one i want to play oh yeah i think everybody would agree with you that they'd rather play the next Dying Light than the next Dead Island. Um, Dying Light, I mean, dude, that game blew up and ended up selling like 10 million copies. Yeah. They still crazy. update it once in a while. Like, they, yeah. like I've yeah. never seen support for that game was crazy. Like, they're they great. That studio, I really like that studio. Like, yeah, Techland's great. Techland is pretty freaking great. They're great communicating with their audience. They don't try to fool people. They're honest. They. Um, you know, again, I met with them at E3 this past year and they, you know, they're just great dudes. Um, they get it. They understand. They even, they understood like my job and what I do and what I needed to get from them to make sure I could talk about the game well on our shows. Um, I have a lot of respect for those guys. So, <clears throat> I don't know. I, um, I, I probably would never, ever say that I want to see a zombie game canceled because I do love zombie movies, zombie TV shows, and most zombie video games, to be perfectly honest with you. So I'm never going to say I want it to go away or I want it to be canceled, but it ain't looking good. The other part of it that you brought up, though, is that Deep Silver, they need this game probably to come out. They can't really afford to dump $50 million into a game's development and then just call it a day like a Google or an EA or something like that. They really need the things that they invest in to come to fruition to generate revenue from. So um, I don't think they're in a position where they could cancel it if they wanted to. And the fact that instead of canceling it prior, they just shift it to a new studio shows you that they're not going to give up on the game. So I would say the game is going to come eventually. Will it be good? I doubt, I doubt it, <laughs> but it could, I mean, it could be. be fine and it could be out by the end of this year. That's absolutely possible. Mm-hmm. It's been in development for a long time. So Mitch, did you play the first dead Island? No, I've just heard of it. You didn't miss like, anything. I didn't honestly. miss anything. I've, it, I know it's rep. Like basically I know it has a rep and I think Yankee the, like, zombie killer. Yeah, <laughs> That's pretty and, much what it is. And so I like having a sequel, I, I, I could care less. And I think that's, that's, you guys are right on the button in regards to saying that this game is going to need to hold on its own, not holding on the name of Dead Island because that means nothing, really. Yeah, I don't even know if you want to call it Dead Island 2 at this point. You're right. You may want to just title it something completely new altogether, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, the only people that know it's in California, so like maybe something... I mean, yeah, I mean, by the time this comes out, you're going to be closing in on 10 years. uh, And it's not like like Riptide or... uh, Escaped at Island made any waves really. So like I feel like if you just called it something completely different, like And it also a better title would give you more 
leeway. It's like it's called Dead Island. <laughs> like if, mm-hmm. and if you don't want to make all your games on islands, then maybe yeah. an well, also like game. it's in California. California's not an island. Yeah, like although it may be. It's someday it's not, <laughs> when, it's, it's not, when no. we get the big one and it cracks off into the ocean and floats towards Hawaii. <laughs> uh, it would it would go up to um, Seattle, Alaska. right? Yeah. Alaska, yeah. yeah. In like in like thirty five million by. years, thirty five <laughs> million years, most of California will be up where Alaska is. Yeah, That's the Which direction the Pacific Plate's going could definitely happen. So anyway. That's the latest on Dead Island, too. I would not be surprised if we do start seeing stuff from this game, like, in the next three weeks, in all honesty. If it really is going to come out this year or anytime soon, this E3 season that's just about to hit, you should need to start talking about it. So, yeah, my po- I guess it might pop up in one of the, like, Sony or Microsoft's, like, game round, like, real roundup things. Yeah. I mean, apparently that Sony thing is over an hour on Thursday. Really? So um, oh, that's one thing we should bring up, actually, <laughs> is that Sony is having a big PlayStation 5 blowout on Thursday. Yeah, so, so it was a week, week delay. Yeah, so it's supposed so to be last, week. last Thursday. They postponed it for the George Floyd protests. Um, and now I feel I guess they feel like a week was a good enough grace period because it's going down on Thursday. And now you're saying it's going to be an hour long. That's what they said. It's going to be an hour Hell long. Hell yeah. Over an hour. It said over an hour, 1080p, wow. 30 frames a second. And wear headphones. Did you say 1080p 30? That's what the stream will be, yeah. Interesting. That's weird. Well, they usually put it out in 4K. They put it up in 4K later. 1080. It's usually 1080 when they stream it, and then it's always 4K when they put the video up. But um, Matt, with the headphones, yes, they definitely pushed that really hard because I think they're going to test out. They want you to hear the 3D audio. What do they call it? They have a name for it. There's some name for it that they call it. I can't remember what it is. I thought it was just called 3D audio. I thought they had some fancy mesh or I think something. The mesh word is the name of the program they use to ah, pick your yeah. profile for your for your ear. Yeah. Now, of course, you have to have like headphones that will work with 3D audio. You're not going to really see it. I think they should call it Cerny Surround. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if He's that everywhere. was like the work in progress name for it. Cern Round Sound. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't hear more about Dead Island 2 literally in like the next week or two. Yeah. It shouldn't be that long. And if we don't hear anything in the next like month and a half, then I'm guessing it might be canceled. I, here's the thing about Dead Island. Like the the best thing about the entire franchise are those two premiere trailers. Trailers, <laughs> like that one both trailer they put great. out where like the the reverse time thing where the yep. little girl like undies or whatever. Yeah. And then the the trailer for Dead Island Two where the jogger in Venice Beach slowly decays. Which I'm um, sure people who are watching the show have now seen probably three four thousand times. times. Yeah. <laughs> um, sure. It's a good trailer. It is, yeah. Uh, Justin really Horman helped us out. It is Tempest is the word we were looking for. For what? Oh, it's the audio thing? For oh, the okay. audio. Yeah. My guess is that's what they want people to experience. I mean, look, if you can wear normal headphones and it works, then that would be a very, very yeah, powerful that's a, demo. That's a, that's a tech trick Absolutely. and a half right there. Yep. Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Sega. Something that we don't talk about nearly as much as we probably should because Sega has kind of taken a backseat in the gaming industry over the last decade and a half now, I guess. More than that, really. Yep. Ah, Like 20 years? It's hard to believe. But the big news is that it is Sega's 60th anniversary. It was on uh, June 3rd. Uh, They launched June 3rd, 1960 is when Sega started. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just passed their 60th anniversary. I'll I mean, out this. of a of a military like 
situation, actually, because what that's what Sega stands for is service games. Yep, that's true. A lot of people or don't know that came, either. Came from the occupation of Japan post-war. That's right. Yep. Um, and so it just passed its 60th anniversary. Obviously, Sega has had an insane history inside the gaming industry. Um, I will say this. Sega didn't celebrate it as much as I thought. It kind of slid under the radar and I wouldn't have even known about it if it wasn't for a product that Sega decided to announce on the anniversary. And that is Sega Game Gear Micro. Um, the Game Gear was Sega's attempt to take on the Game Boy way back when. Um, while the Game Boy was monochromatic, uh, the Game Gear had a full color screen. It also had the screen that was... A landscape oriented instead mm -hmm. of having kind of the four by three aspect ratio that uh, most TVs had at the time. Um, its battery life was abysmal. It would rip through six batteries in about three hours, and that's yep. being generous, honestly. Like it depended on the game. Yeah. My yeah, my experience was actually shorter than that, like closer to like an hour and a half or two hours. I um, never used it with batteries. You always use the. AC I always use the adapter. AC adapter. Like yeah. there was no point. It was not a. Con it was not a portable system. You're right. It was pretty much just a console that played old Master System games. So mm -hmm. at least that was the initial idea. Was that the the Game Gear would be very easy to port the library from the Master System to the Game Gear, so that Sega didn't have to spend a lot of. Basically, Sega was trying to avoid the problem that Nintendo has had for the last like twenty years, where it's trying to support a console, and a handheld at the same time with unique software. It wanted to have the handheld and just port all the stuff from the master system to it, and they thought that would be good enough. It ended up none of it was good enough. It, it, it did end up selling like 11 million units, which I was pretty surprised to read. Um, but the problem with it was that Sega just wasn't in a position where it could supply uh, exclusive software for the Game Gear. And so instead, you just kept getting all these ports of old Sega games to it in conjunction with the battery life and all the other issues with it. It just eventually died. And obviously, we all know the Game Boy ended up reigning supreme. So to celebrate the 60th anniversary, Sega is re-releasing it kind of. Um, they, they're putting out four different handhelds, and they're really small. You don't realize how little they are until the very end of the trailer where they actually show human hands holding it. And it's literally like, they're like mm -hmm. this big. <clears throat> so there's four different ones. They all, they're four different colors. And then each one of those comes with four different games. So if you want all of them, and right now in Japan, they're going on sale October 6th for around $50 a piece, depending on the exchange rate at the time. So to buy 16 Game Gear games and four little handhelds, you're going to spend $200. And Matt. more than that, if you want the uh, the magnifier thing that lets right. you actually see the screen, because those screens are 1.15 inches. That was the other big complaint about it, was that the screen was too small. Mm -hmm. And as Matt just mentioned, you could get this magnifying glass thing that would hover above the screen and blow it up so you could see what was going on. I mean, it became canon, really. Like, Sega mm -hmm. accepted it as a part of its sort of official lineup of peripherals. Yeah. Um, I never had that. But, I didn't either. Uh, I thought it was fine the way it was, but this is not fine. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> How do you so. feel about this, Matt? Well, here's the thing. I am a big. I love the Game Gear. I had a Game Gear when I was a, when I was a teenager and played it all the time. Um, like it was my favorite thing because uh, I also for a long time I was not allowed to have a console. 
in my room because my dad believed my dad read an article when I when the Atari 2600 was out that the the that video games hurt the TV. Uh, uh, so it's probably like a thing about burning. I or remember something. that rumor actually yeah. floating around back when. Now here's here's what what'll date me, people. Back in the day, back before really before cable TV, the way TVs worked was they had two screws on the back, and what you did was you had these kind of like hook things that had a wire on each one, and you slid those underneath the screws and then screwed the screw down, and that's how your TV got a signal and got channels. Well. When you would buy a video game console back then, you would get this little box with your console that had like a slider switch on it. And it also had the same pronged wires on it. And you would slide those underneath the antenna wire on your TV and then screw them both down. And then when you wanted to play the game, you'd slide the switch to game. If you wanted to go back to TV, you'd slide the switch back to TV. <laughs> and I know that might blow your minds, but that's... And then you had to have your TV on either channel two or channel three. Um, and a lot of the boxes that you got had a little switch on the bottom where you could switch from channel two to channel three. And it mattered. For some reason, the reception that you would get on those channels would affect how clear the signal was from the video game machine on the TV. I, I know it sounds archaic. It depended because in some places there was no station on two or three. Right. So you had to pick the one that had no local station on it. So like where yeah. I was, we had a channel two, KTVU, in San Francisco, so channel three was the channel he had, you had to use for games. Yeah, um, it was a weird time. It but, certainly was, but we but made he it read work. A <laughs> but he read a thing that like basically said like you could hurt the TV by playing games on them. So I was not allowed to use my any, play games on any TV because he didn't want his TVs hurt. So uh, the, the rule. Be so the rule became if I wanted to have video game consoles, I had to buy a TV or get a Vectrex because he was like, well, if you want if you want to damage your own TV, that's up to you. So that is why I started working under the table at places at 13 um, because I, I wanted a TV. Um, oh, that's funny. And, um, but until then, I had, I had handhelds because uh, that didn't require a TV. And a couple times, I think I did try to point out, like, you'll notice I'm playing on a TV screen on this tiny, tiny TV screen, and it is not being hurt. He's like, shut up. So that was the end of that. <laughs> um, but I, had, I was big into the Game Gear. So yeah, Matt has something he here. wants to show you guys today. These are all my Game Gear games. How many do you have total? This is like 8, 9, 10, 14, 20-something. Do you remember how many games ended up being released for it before it was... Oh, there was a few, a couple hundred. A couple hundred? These are, all my, these are all my manuals. Do you have your Game Gear there so you can put it up on screen? No, my Game Gear is missing somewhere. Oh. Um, I don't, and actually, I don't know where... It's probably in a box somewhere because it doesn't work anymore. Um, the one interesting thing about it is, uh, so I got it and I got it home and I played it for a while. I turned it off, went to bed, woke up the next morning. I went to turn it on again and there was an ant in it. There was an ant in the screen, like running around <laughs> the, screen. the screen. And I'm like, there's an ant. Why is there an ant? And so I, I noticed it as I was going to turn, I turned it on and the ant just got like, it got fried. zapped. <laughs> and so there's a dead fried ant. in no my way. So every time I would play it, I'd have to like shake the dead ant off the That's side. Funny. So it wasn't on the, it wasn't on the video part of the screen. That's hilarious. And there's a, there's a little, this, this is a little fold out thing. Like a poster, right? Yeah, it came, I, I am assuming, I opened it earlier. I'm assuming this came with Batman Returns. Yeah. Because it is Batman Returns. Yeah. I played that for the Sega Genesis when I was a kid. Yeah. And here are your accessories, including, you can see the TV tuner 
<laughs> on, on the game gear there. Yeah, you can see with it. The, with, the fo- with football, that was what they always showed, was you can watch football games on the game gear. That was the big thing. So, yeah, I'm a big game gear fan, and I am not going to buy this bullshit <laughs> because what? Dude, it's the biggest ripoff ever. Are you ever. kidding me? Dude, those things, I guarantee you, they probably cost $3 to manufacture. Yeah. I would absolutely buy like a normal size or maybe even slightly smaller, like 3DS sized Game Gear Micro. I would buy I would, buy, I would actually... buy a Game Gear console that hooked yeah. up to the TV and played stuff. But no. no. Like, what are you doing? No. no. It's not that's not a celebration, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sega celebrating, too. getting like a five hundred thousand like percent profit margin on these yeah, things. That is nonsense. Yeah. So they come out October sixth in Japan. They haven't even announced them for the West yet, uh, meaning U.S., Europe, uh, North North America, all that. Um, do you think they're going to come out here? And if they do, do you think that they will lower the price? I don't think they will come out here I because either. I think Sega of America is going to look at that and be like, really? No, like, come on. Like, again, I think it would be cool to see Game Gear pop, like a Game Gear celebration thing pop up that is an actual decent size to play or even like a micro console. Like, I mean, look, if the Turbo Graphics can get one, yeah. Because yeah. there's some great <laughs> stuff on that system. The, the, the Sonic games are actually pretty good. Um, the first one is just uh, the Master System yeah. port. Um, although it has some really good music, some some good versions of the, of the Sonic themes in there, um, and other themes. One of the one of the I think the second zone, maybe the third zone, like this the the song in that sounded familiar to me forever. And even like I brought it to college with me, and my roommate would play it and stuff. He's like, "Why do I know that song?" Everyone was like, "Why do I know this song?" And it wasn't until like a like a few months ago that I saw someone did a, a like a YouTube video about game songs that are ripoffs of other things. And it's the full house theme. Like, that's what it was. I'm like, ah, oh, like 25 years. I wonder what that was. But like all the Sonic, like Sonic Chaos is really interesting. Triple Trouble is really interesting. Like, the, you know, there's no version of that on anything else except, the, you know, at the time. Um, the, the Game Gear Shinobis, GD Shinobi and GD Shinobi 2, phenomenal Shinobi. Yeah. It's incredibly good. Yeah. Also, the B-roll really that we're good- showing for this shows almost every... Major. Yeah. Also, some really good uh, music from Yuzuka Shiro in those. Uh, Defenders of Oasis, solid Fantasy Star style uh, RPG that almost no one's ever heard of. Um, There's a decent Shining Force on it. Um, Axe Battler, Legend of Golden Axe, is this crazy like Zelda slash fighting game action RPG that stars the guy with the barbarian guy from Golden Axe. Yep. Um, Running around, it's a huge game. I, I played that game over and over again. There's a mediocre Castlevania ripoff called Vampire Master of Darkness that no one's ever played. Like, there's some like stuff on that system that no one that never yeah. made it to anything kind of else. Lost in time, yeah, yeah. yeah they're sort of, of like lost games. Yeah, and it's like there's because of the resolution of the games, it's hard to even imagine them wanting to port them or update them or. Yeah. So they're just kind of lost in time. Weird, weird little things in a year ago. X Men: The Game's Master's Legacy. <laughs> not on anything else to my knowledge yeah um, so i'm not saying it's good i'm not saying you want to play it i'm just saying it's it's there yeah um, um so do you think these will turn into collector's items matt like i mean they might because they like, are expensive and that is one of those things that kind of helps with collector's items was the initial cost pretty high and they yeah. are for sure look how, look how dumb child me was <laughs> Look what, I, look what I spent money on. Yeah. Robocop versus Terminator. What do you do? Why wouldn't you, man? I mean, it was terrible. I mean, yeah, there's no way to kid, know that. Dude, but... you just love Robocop and Terminator. That's the all other problem that was like the kind of problems of the day when you ho- when you owned handheld systems. This is a problem for Game Boy people too. 
Not a lot of rentals. No. Like you couldn't really rent handheld games. You GBA, know? Like, you could at Blockbuster. They rented GBA. Yeah, later on, they did that. But, but like, that's it. Yeah, yeah, there was one store in Palo Alto, like down the street from Stanford, that rented everything. They rented Lynx games and Game Gear games. I did a lot of renting from them, and then they closed because that's not a very lucrative business, <laughs> turns out. But um, it was good okay, times. So, so we've talked about uh, the Game Gear for a good bit and the Micro, again, which is coming out October 6th in Japan. Let's talk about Sega in general because this is its 60th anniversary. It is a that's a huge deal. Uh, it's a company that has had several different phases. So I did want to kind of go back and pick a best and worst Sega moments, and then pick the best and worst Sega platforms. So Matt, let's start with best Sega moment ever. What's your pick? Ever? Yeah. Um... Like business wise or like game wise? Just whatever resonates with you for Sega. Hmm. I mean, I was a Sega kid, so like I there's know, a lot of them. Yeah. Um, so I guess it could be Sonic One, okay. which, I, which I played a completion until three in the morning. And then as soon as I finished it, started again, which I rarely had ever done in my life. Yeah. Um, I mean, the big one was is probably uh, getting a Dreamcast import Dreamcast 98 my, my mom got it for me for Christmas a year before it came out here of course the only games that were available were Mahjong and that terrible Godzilla, Godzilla Generations game, game. yeah uh, which she did get me the Godzilla Generations game so I played that for like a day and then Sonic uh Sonic Adventure came out the, I think the day before Christmas mm -hmm. in Japan so the import shop in Berlin game I would go to got it like a few days later so I think the 26th or 27th I went in and, and got it there and took it home and played it, and I specifically remember I played the, the first level. Everyone kind of seen like on the beach with the with the killer whale and all this stuff. Everyone said, "Oh, that was really cool." And I got to the second level. In the middle of the second level, um, a uh, a tornado hits and like sucks <laughs> like the whole level one. up. Like it's like so, yeah, mean, it's in like, the game in the game. Oh. Like torn the tornado hit. We didn't have tornadoes in, in San Francisco. Um, but like a tornado hits and like sucks the whole level in and the level becomes like, like a manure. and when the tornado hits and it pulls back and Sonic sees it and everything in the level gets sucked into it I remember I just started laughing like I, I <laughs> yeah. was because like, I couldn't it's believe like it Super Mario 64 good. yeah the first time I played it yeah. it just made me laugh I didn't know how to react to it I was just yeah. so I just started laughing and that's all that my mom did the same thing the first time she played it however I was asking for Sega's Best moment. Not like your best moment related to Sega. The company Sega's best moment ever. Oh. Does it have any of those? <laughs> Somebody <laughs> said that in chat. Eric McCartman has um, said, is there a best Sega moment? <laughs> it's tough. I mean, mm, I, they, they haven't had a ton of successes, really. Yeah. Um, like, I guess the Genesis... Like putting the Genesis out ahead of the Super Nintendo Genesis. and like how kind of almost overnight, like a Sega wasn't a factor during the NES period. Like yeah. Master, Master System, I was. knew a couple, I had a couple of friends with Master Systems. I had the Game Gear, like, you know, we liked them, but we knew we were in, we were like kind of the, the hipster alternative kids yeah. because everyone had an NES. Yep. And when Genesis came out, I remember. A couple of my friends got one. One of my friends got one because his mom was like worked in marketing for Sega. Like a marketing company was handling Sega. So he got a Genesis before it even came out. And like, I remember um, we were at his house before we we're going to go out to like back to the park or something. I think to play baseball, actually. 
but he had a Genesis. This Genesis was sitting there, and we're like, "What the fuck? What? Like, where did?" And so we played some Altered Beast, and his older brother, um, his his friends came in, and his his older brother and his friends did not care about video games. Like they were like, "Whatever, that's for baby." Like they, you know, they were like the typical older, you know, they, they, mainstream they were, perspective on you know, games. Born in like seventy, <laughs> you know, they were a little yeah. little too old to care. Yeah. They came in, and one of them, like the the biggest jerk about the the NES stuff, came in and saw this. And it's like, when did you get a Genesis? And I was like, why does he know what a Genesis is? Like, like you, to know what a Genesis was at that point, you would have had to basically been reading the game magazines, right? Like, yeah. it wasn't out yet. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, oh, that must, if he's paying attention to this. He, there must yeah, be he's something like, maybe he's so bad. <laughs> so uh, I guess that's probably the biggest success they ever had. Like, I mean, they really spent the remaining 10 years of their existence as a console manufacturer trying to recapture that moment. I I'd agree with that. But my moment is nine nine ninety nine, And... Mm-hmm. I was around for all the stuff that you talked about, but I was never so hype for a Sega product as I was on 9999. I was all in. Uh, it was the first real launch event that I had ever like really gone to. Um, I don't know if it was really the first like everybody's mobbing the GameStop launch event, but it was the first one I had ever been a part of. As far as going, pre-ordering it, going like five hours before the store opens, standing in line with a bunch of gamers, waiting for them to open the doors, going in and get your... That was the first time I had ever gone through any of that. And the other thing I would say about it is that the Dreamcast delivered. It was great. Um, The hardware was good. The games were great. It's not Sega's fault that everybody chose PlayStation over the Dreamcast and decided to, you know, devote their resources to PlayStation 2. It online play uh, on a console that was reliable and stable. Um, just a lot of paradigm shifts. Just the visual splendor. It was the first time I ever saw a video game where I kind of understood what HD was. You don't understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Where I was like, okay, now I know what high definition is because I can see it here on my Dreamcast. So I would say Dreamcast was peak Sega. Um, but it unfortunately, it was a it was a mountain spike and then a very precipitous fall down the other side of the mountain. I mean, you can see back there the shelf, like right on top of my finger. There, that's all Dreamcast. Yeah, like, there's there's Wii here. This is yeah. Wii. But this, the back behind there, that's all Dreamcast. Under that's all Dreamcast. Behind those is another row of Dreamcast. I have tons of Dreamcast games. And I, I was actually, so hyped for launch. All I my friends this, were this hyped. Week. All my friends were hyped for launch. Oh, nice. It's a, it's a Kickstarter that like it's like a fighting pad for Dreamcast. Yeah. So I still keep up with the Dreamcast stuff. Yeah, like it's still hooked up and ready to go. Yep. So I'll pick the launch of the Dreamcast. Mitch, do you have any input on uh, on this? I mean, if I'm going to pick something different than you guys, I would go with the release of the Sonic movie being the most successful animated video game. You mean adaptation. just like from a few months ago? Yeah, from a few months ago. I would say. So you that- out of Sega's sixty years. Well, I'm only saying that because you guys have picked two other areas that I think uh, I would have chose one of those two things. But what about, like, he, can't, he can't pick the Saturn launch. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. like, I, I but mean, what about like the launch of NFL 2K? Like it really just completely flipped. To be, uh, to be truly honest, on my head. only experience with Sega was we had a Genesis at home. Um, but we never had like my I played the Dreamcast at my babysitter's once and that's how I played the Sonic game that was there with the Chaos Emeralds the one that Matt was talking about um, but I I mainly did Nintendo if it was going to be a handheld so I don't have much experience with uh, 
Sega as a console manufacturer, mainly just their games. And so I think it proves with saying the movie and saying that's a successful thing for them, that overcomes a lot of huge properties. Pokemon is a huge property, and yet Sonic can still overtake that, and it's been out for decades. That's impressive. I think that's worth yeah, I th- saying. I think that's a good point, really. I mean, the so- I mean, the Sonic movie did do very, very well at the it's box office. It's getting a sequel. It's, it is getting a sequel. It was possibly the last box office hit for <laughs> a wa- long, long <laughs> time. <Forever. laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's probably the most successful thing Sega's done since the Genesis, really. No. Yeah. No way. Yeah, what no, else? What else made that much money? Games come out that have done very, very well. Not like that. Well, it's uh, a but movie. This is beyond games, this is this is mainstream. yeah. But games r- games routinely make more money than games because they cost more. Like, like we we brag about that all the time that the video game industry makes more money than the movie industry and the TV everything. Well, combined. on the whole, not yeah. per product. There's only like two games that have ever made a billion dollars. But like, what I'm saying is like, if I I can't think of another like more widespread hit. Uh, than that Sonic movie for Sega in a very very long time, like and most of it would probably yeah, but also that's be also Sonic. Not, I mean that's also not Sega. Sega didn't make that movie; it just sold its license to somebody. Sega no, had they, nothing to do they with they it. Produced it? No, they, they made a production they, company. To they didn't work make with them the movie. The no, they did. Sonic Sega did establish a Sega Pictures company to actually have input. So they they made Which it. Just probably as, a group of like four dudes who watch the cuts and say that's not Sonic, that is Sonic. They were references like, that they are weren't in this shooting movie, the, and that. they weren't cutting it together. They weren't yeah, directing but when, but, it. But in an incredibly strange world where Sonic the Hedgehog wins an Oscar, they get the Best Picture trophy, which it is not going to happen. But. No. But what I'm saying is, as much as anything, like that's a success story. Wait, those story four guys that. would get the Oscar instead of the people who actually made the film? The producers get the Oscar, the Best Picture Oscar. Yeah. Really? Wow. Oh, I'd be really salty if I were the director of that film. Well, that's what the Best Director Oscar is for. Oh, okay. They, and that, the they're point. definitely not winning that one either. <laughs> I mean, let's not forget that the Oscar structure was designed by producers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, it makes sense. They rigged it, it in their own favor. Yes, that's literally what happened there. But um, yeah. I would say uh, this, though. First of all, I don't I would not attribute that movie to Sega. Um, but even if you do, if if it's true that that is the best thing that Sega has done, that is pathetic. Pathetic. Better Nintendo's done. No, um, Nintendo has released consoles in, games in the realm of movies is better. Millions. Sega's not a movie company. It's a video game company. Sega's barely a video game company. I mean, they're a video game company. Somebody said in chat, and they made a good point, is that Sega has become the best publisher of of strategy games, which is true. Yeah, when they Uh, bought Creative Assembly. Assembly, They just became that by default, essentially. Um, But if, look, if you're looking at that movie as the best thing Sega's done, first of all, it's not, shouldn't be attributed to Sega. But if you are saying that that's the best thing that that company has done, and how that's terrible. Wait, that is I not would, I, something how, to be proud of. How would you not attest that to that? It has brand name recognition for the masses, and that's why it was so successful. Like not just because it was a good movie. Like I think it was a good movie, uh, but it the brand name itself have lasted this long, and with so many horrible games that they've created with this property specifically it still does really well at a box office i think and it did better than me sega does earn that reputation games what are you talking about there's sonic being terrible is like the constant meme of sonic's been terrible for forever 2006 was terrible everything post middling middle of the road 
no, yeah. no, no, no. Look like at the aggregate scores of their game. I don't give a shit about the aggregate score. Okay, like, so you're right. No one else is wrong. Fair no, the entire okay. fan, like that's the running gag, dude. Well, like that, the that's, bad that's so, that's the, the, knowledge. The, the Sonic cycle is a is a constant meme. Dude, like everyone look, says, like oh, it's gonna be good this time. You're barking up the wrong tree. I hate Sonic more than anyone. Like I <laughs> seriously, but I'm telling you the truth. And most of those games end up around a six or a mid seven. That's just the facts. But that's and if not those good. Bad and I'm saying I don't give a shit what reviewers gave them they're terrible games for the most part <laughs> like everyone's afraid to give anything under a seven i'm glad they get their balls in in, in line when they get, give it a six sonic unleashed or whatever the hell but most of those games are awful i agree i hate them but that's not what everyone else thinks so it is whatever i'm not thinks. i'm not gonna sit You're, here and say i don't I'm care right, i don't care what wrong, reviewers so. think on that one like the sonic fandom like is a constant cycle of hope and despair because of how disappointing these games continually turn out to be and look i stopped a lot playing of people them. like their i stopped games playing them. i don't like and you also also forgetting about i stopped sonic playing mania. them somewhere around the six look i'll go through all these right now sonic mania 86 sonic the hedgehog the movie 47 how about uh, this son- don't Sonic even I, 57 57 80 you're barking up the wrong tree if you think quoting bullshit metacritic averages is going to tell me that a game is any better than it really is like I don't i'm just care. telling don't you what most people think man for god's sake your editorial department of game trailers gave amalur a t- uh, not 8.2 out of 10. i would never tell you that you that you don't know what you're talking about with sonic or whatever but i'm saying that the the vast majority of people do not think that all his games are <sighs> terrible no you're wrong like that's it. I don't give a shit. I don't give it. Stop it, really, dude. Stop it. Like really, stop it. I am involved in the Sonic fandom more than you are. The fans do You're not think the series the is fandom, any good. Though I'm not talking yeah, about the people who actually person. play the fucking games. I don't care what 15 game reviewers thought in comparison to millions of Sonic fans. I mean, who I actually know. finally showed up and embraced can, the goddamn find, movie. I can find one Sonic game on Metacritic ever that related rated below a 50, and that was Rise of Lyric at a 32. Everything else. Wait a minute. Fact, where's where's 2006? Like 2006 didn't rate over. Did 2006 rate over a 50? Uh, no way. I don't know. Bullshit. I don't know. Some people gave that game. No, it got a 40. Play magazine could could not 40, have tilted 46 that for Sonic 2006. So you 46. think that's a you think 46 is an accurate rating of that game, and you're going to use the well, rest of the review scores gave it to prove perfect, the others are decent? Considering one guy gave it a perfect 10 that threw the whole thing out of whack. Like who gave it a perfect ten? Remember that dude in the magazine? You've talked about it like a hundred oh, no. times on Game. Halverson gave it a nine point five. He did oh, say whatever. the load, time, the load oh, times God. were a little let's long. On. This is getting absurd. And then he downgraded it to an eight point five when all the issues. Okay, weren't let's fixed. talk about the worst moments from Sega's history. Um, I'll start. I'll go with the Sega Saturn because it was dead in the water when it got there. It well, be never specific. Really had be any specific hope. about that that launch. Um, Tell the launch the, story. You, we've, told the launch, we've told the launch story of the Sega Saturn like a hundred times. I mean, it's really the story of how, so- how, how Sony, Sony won before they even Sega. tried. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that, to me, was, a low, that was the lowest point. And if I did have to point at a single moment that was the worst for Sega, it would be that press conference at E3 where Sony walked up and said the price of PlayStation 1 and walked off. I mean, so, I think that's incontrovertibly it. Yeah. Like, there's no, like, I mean, that's... Because that really was the beginning was of the again. end for Sega. Yeah, nothing, they never recovered from that. There was no yeah. way to recover from that. Yeah. There's no way to recover from charging $100 more and expecting people to buy Bug and Clockwork Night. Like, there was yep. just no way around that. I think the second worst would probably be when they shut down the Dreamcast. Yeah. Like, or the not, Sega not that, CD. Not that it was a bad move, but it's just like, it was sad. 
Yeah. Well, it's sad for me because I literally was working in the same building as them. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, it worked out for us because we got to go upstairs and buy Dreamcast for $2. <laughs> for no, but like nothing. Yeah. It was, uh, it was sad. You know, that was the end of that era. It was, the, I felt was really like, guilty. Um, <laughs> I remember was, I it bought, was picking over a corpse. It well, was. I bought a bunch of stuff that I didn't even want because I, I like got like a couple pieces of hardware and I'm like, I can't give somebody $8 for a Dreamcast and like 10 games. So I just started getting like VMUs and controllers and I got a Dreamcast keyboard and a Dreamcast mouse, all of which, by the way, are still unopened, sitting in the packaging that I bought them with that day. It, they gave me no use whatsoever. Because the mouse and the keyboard might be worth something now. It's still brand new in the box. Brand new. All you should of look up is. some eBay prices on those. Yeah, I have, I have five VMUs. Still brand new in the box. Still with that plastic tab that you have to pull out to activate the battery. Like I, I just. God, I wonder if those batteries have corroded. By they now. might have. They're still in the box. I haven't opened them. Um, I just felt so bad. I was like, I can't pay eight dollars for a Dreamcast. I can't. So I just started buying stuff just so I could give them more money. And I ended up never even using most of it. So that probably is personally <laughs> like going back to what how you like related a personal story to it at the beginning. Um, that was probably personally. Uh, my lowest day as a Sega consumer. But I think Sega as a company's lowest day was the Saturn, for sure. Uh, Mitch, you have anything outside of that you want to discuss? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and you again, could also go with the 32X if you wanted to, but... Yeah, yeah Sega CD, 32X, those were all black eyes for Sega for the most part. Um, but, but 32X wasn't like the gut shot. Yeah. Do you think um, Sega will last another 60 years, Matt? I don't know if we're going to last another 60 years. Um, well, we're not. I definitely won't. I'm saying, do you think in 60 years from now, Sega will still exist as a company? I'm going to say no. Yeah. I'd probably go that way, too. Um, because you just, I just don't see upward momentum for Sega. It hasn't managed to come up with new ideas that people like. It's, it's still milking its old IP. Um, I feel like even if they did a good job of reviving that stuff, they might have a little bit of a spark that they could build a fire from. But it's like they just it it's lost its creative spark. It's lost its ability to come up with stuff that's new and exciting. And it's well, just, I also I, think the uh, if they they would maybe do better if they were willing to go back to the stuff that if they're not going to come up with new stuff, they could at least go back to the old stuff that has some potential which I feel like they don't do a very good job of doing anymore. Like they, because like Nintendo got a similar problem. Like you don't see a lot of brand new IP that catches and holds from, from Nintendo very often, yeah, I mean, but some. they keep everything alive to some degree or another, despite what, you know, us Metroid or Star Fox fans might say here and there, but like Sega's got stuff we haven't seen hide or hair of in forever. Um, but then and like, you try to revive it and it always falls on his face. It's always just a Golden weird axe yeah, or beast rider. And yeah, and like, but it's like, is, is it, are you really going to tell me that like a really well-made, well, well done jet set radio game couldn't get some traction today? It could, or like I think a great Sonic game would be gigantic yeah, like, or a good fantasy star character. Yeah. Like how is, I mean, I know fantasy star online two finally just hit Xbox and PC this past week or so, yeah. but like, what about a really good single player like Dragon Age, Dragon Quest style, like you know, Xenoblade style Fantasy Star, like, like a real Fantasy Star. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I mean, why that not? Could do well, but I just or Shinobi. Where the fuck is Shinobi? I know people. You have to Ninjas. find the right partners to build these games. The though. only real thing, and I think uh, the one, the one sliver of what you said about the Sonic movie, I will agree with, is that that's the only thing Sega has. Sonic is the only thing Sega has that has that kind of cachet today. 
And I think some of their other properties could, but they just let them languish. Yeah. So like so of Sonic sight, for of all his Sonic for all his bad games and his shitty friends polluting his franchise has still been here the whole time. Yeah. And I think that's the key. Also, he wasn't on the Saturn, and that was probably a problem for the Saturn too. That was a huge problem. Um, especially coming off, uh, you know, say uh, Sonic CD, which in my mm-hmm. opinion is probably the best 2D Sonic or the best Sonic ever. Um, so that yeah, is, they- that is the, the, one of the, so I would agree with that on Sonic CD for the most part. The fandom hates that game. I know. It's I'm so well aware. Weird. It. it is weird. They all love bizarre. Sonic 3, which is basically where I started to lose interest. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess you can see why I'm not a Sega fanboy. One of a million reasons. Well, I was Mitch, a Sega fanboy for reasons other than Sonic. Yeah, yeah. Mitch, do you think Sega will be around in 60 years? Um, I think in the trajectory uh, they're in, it's a potential possibility, but mostly unlikely. You know, I think yeah. Sonic Mania has kind of shown good faith to the sonic fans that they can still make good sonic games even though it's like a if i remember right it's like a rehash of the first game basically um or the second game of certain levels but with the movie on top of this you know there is potential that they could start swinging and turning itself around they have the the opportunity they just have to take advantage of it they've already waited too long after the movie like they needed a, a, a Sonic game that came out while the movie was in theaters. It's too late now. Um, maybe when the sequel, the sequel movie comes out, or even um, a next gen game is coming and coming out, and we just haven't seen it yet. We may see next gen Sonic in the next two weeks. You don't know. I mean, it yep. may be in an Xbox presentation. It may be in a PlayStation presentation. There's no way of knowing right now. Be probably um, wise to hold off to the sequel though, because the sequel looks like it'll have more of his friends in it. You right. can expand it out a little better. Yeah. I would be surprised if Sega makes it to 100. I, that, to me, is kind of the over-under on its history right now based upon yeah. where it's headed and its trajectory. Here's the thing. I think they will continue to probably coast, and they do pretty well with the, you know, Sammy has a bunch of the Pachinko stuff in there. Yeah. Um, Creative Assembly still is a good, you know, factory for strategy stuff that sells well on PC. Um, I feel like what might happen here is they might shift to movies because of the success of Sonic. I think we might start to see more Sega, Sega movies. You might get some traction on that. And at some point, some studio, like movie studio, buys them. Mm, interesting. Like a movie Disney, studio. Disney okay. absorbs them or something. And we Just can, to get the IP. To get yeah, the I IPs. think the company wouldn't last, but the IP would last 60 years. Yeah, yeah I think Sonic good. will be around in 60 years. I just don't know who will own him. Yeah. Ask about Sega, not Sonic. Yeah. Um, yes. Sega as a company. Um, so... 60, it's been a great 60 years in all honesty. Thank you, Sega, for all the hours and hours and hours and hours that you have given me through my life of entertainment. Uh, it's been an amazing ride, but the last 10 or 15 years have been really sad. Where's Virtua Fighter, Matt? Where is it? My Uh-oh. personal favorite fighting game franchise. Just, yeah. am it's I? definitely my favorite 3D fighting game. Yeah. Um, and it just uh, went away. Where is it? I mean, I mean, part of it is because the people who made it are gone. Yeah, you know, like Yu Suzuki left, and all those people. You know, AM2 is AM2. not the same team it used to be. It's, it's the same the thing now. with you know a lot of that. So it's like I wish I would love to see another Panzer Dragoon game, um, but are the people who made Panzer Dragoon a really cool series there anymore? Like, who, who makes it? You'd you know, have to get the band back together, basically. Yeah, yeah. And like Yu Suzuki doesn't seem to want to do that. He wants to make really boring Shenmue games. So. <laughs> he does. <laughs> So anyway, there you go. It's Sega's 60th anniversary. We're very appreciative for everything that that company has done. And let's be honest, without (laughs) Sega, we wouldn't be sitting here right now doing a podcast about video games because the industry would not be anything like what it is now if it weren't for Sega. Just think about the innovations it's had through the years. Not all have worked, 
but it was brave at certain points in its history. So yeah. that's one of the reasons also that Genesis is a, is a big moment, not because of the success or impact it had for Sega so much as if the Genesis hadn't come out, nothing would have prompted Nintendo to move forward with things. Yep. Like Nintendo would have been very, you know, if you read the stuff about like kind of the histories of that era, the management of Nintendo at the time would have been very happy to ride that NES for another six, seven years. Absolutely. If, for, and not forever. Like that's just what video games would have been. It's Sega 60th anniversary, birthday, whatever you want to call it. Congratulations. Um, I don't think that they'll see another 60 unless they have a drastic change in leadership and direction. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a driving game briefly because we don't have a ton to talk about. Project Cars 3 was announced this week. If you guys remember, the first Project Cars was this. It was supposed to be a PlayStation exclusive, and then it kept getting delayed, and then it got into this weird kind of... Do you remember the story entirely about this, Matt? Didn't it get into some weird place where it was like, going to go multi-platform, but it wasn't allowed to yet. I, it's all fuzzy to me. I don't remember. Reason. I was very unclear on all that, and sometimes I confuse it with the people who made uh, Drive Club. Yep, I um, do too, actually. I do as well. <laughs> I don't know why that is, but I do get those two properties mixed up for some reason. There was some kind of a dust-up around it. I, I, I think it was, or maybe it was supposed to be a launch game. It wasn't. And then they launched it, and it was, still wasn't complete. People had to wait like a really long time for the whole game. And I think it was supposed to be free at first. Is that right? Yeah, well, it was supposed to be. I, it was like made. It was a really kind of cheap thing because like the it, it was only like made for like a few million dollars. Yeah, and like it was supposed to be like a community driven thing. No pun intended. Um, in fact, I think that I think cars in the name stands for like community. I think you're right, actually. Community it's all capital as, letters, yeah. Yeah, community-assisted racing... Sim. Sim? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm just guessing. I'm going to look it up. Um, it was something like that. You're supposed to like basically like buy expansions or like little microtransactions. Modules, sort of things. kind of. Yeah, yeah, like modules to like help fund... Basically, it's the Star Citizen mode, except they're going to actually... Model, except they're going to actually give you a game. Yeah. Um, yeah, community-assisted racing simulator. Um, oh, so it was him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Funding for the game was raised by the community and the developers themselves without the financial aid of a traditional publisher. Yeah. And then it was supposed to be a PS4 exclusive, and mm -hmm. and then they released a sequel. That was excellent. Like, literally one of the best driving games of Generation 8, in my opinion. Um, I loved that game. I thought the driving model in it was excellent. Um, cars were an issue in the first game, obviously. You had to kind of wait for that IV drip of vehicles. This one just had all of them, like, right out of the gate. Had crazy, awesome online play. Um, it had, like, graphically, it had crazy stuff. Do you remember, Matt? It had um, puddles, like, real-time weather, like, really real-time weather, where puddles would form, and then once the rain went away and the sun came out, the puddles would start shrinking and mm -hmm. evaporating. Like, it just had all kinds of cool little bells and whistles in it. I think... It probably ended up around an eight something on Metacritic. That's what I think I remember about it. Um, so anyway, here comes Project Cars 3. And after the second game, now I'm starting to really kind of perk up when I start seeing stuff about this franchise. Uh, Matt, what did you think of Project Cars 2? Did you get a chance to play it? I've never played a Project Cars game. Oh, okay. Um, well, I have it. I, I've gotten it in like three different bundles, I think. But like, I've just never played it. It was, it's huge, and it does fall into a lot of the same traps as some other driving sims. It is a little bit bloated. Like, I remember there were, like, 
70 tracks but then if there were variations of those there were like a hundred dis- different courses you could drive on um the career mode was basically menu driven there weren't cinematics like a story mode mm-hmm. or anything like that so in in some of those ways it was a lot like the gran turismos or the forces of the world but i liked the handling in the game the most because it struck a nice balance in between sim and arcade and I'm more of an arcade driving guy. Like I play Sims, but I get bored of them pretty quickly. Um, and this game to me was kind of that perfect medium. Um, and then it also had VR support, which was really good. Uh, it even came out for PlayStation VR, which wasn't quite as good. Um, and this new game, Project Cars 3, also going to be in VR, but it is dropping PlayStation VR. So it's only going to be available for Vive and Rift. Um but as far as the details of the third game are concerned, the trailer doesn't give up a whole lot. It really is just kind of a, a chance to show off the engine, some of the cars that they've licensed for it already. It doesn't provide a lot of detail, unfortunately. But Matt, my question really around this game is, is it smart to release this game right now? You mean like when you're probably going to be putting it up against Forza 8 and uh, Gran Turismo yeah. 7? Seven or whatever it ends up being called for PS5. Pro- probably yeah. not. I mean, I mean, I don't know. For your like, own personal purposes, should you not have just waited and just released it for Gen Nine? Yeah, I mean, I think they were originally supposed to be out like by now. I think yeah. if I remember right, it was supposed to be the first half of this year. Um, doesn't look like that's happening. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I get maybe you hold. I mean, it, it feels like you're kind of in a no-win situation there because, like, if you, ideally you would have gotten it out maybe like April, May this year in a in a timeline where there was no pandemic, right? Um, maybe, but um, like you you get it out before in time before the new consoles and the new stuff. You probably got people waiting to buy the new games on the new systems, and if you get it out after that comes out, everyone's like, well, why would I want that when I could just get the new thing? It feels like you're kind of screwed either way at this point. Yeah. I mean, obviously we don't know for sure that Forza and GT are coming at launch, but like, it seems like a pretty safe assumption. Forza's definitely definitely going to be a really safe bet. (laughs) Absolutely. I would bet a lot of money on Forza coming out before the end of the year for Xbox Series X. Yeah, even um, if it's just like Forza 8 ray tracing sport, you know, it's just right. like, it's, yeah. like you can, <laughs> it's just a garage full of cars we bounce light off of and that's it. Like it's, you know. Now, I will say this, like, these games are very pretty. Like, Project Cars yeah. games, I mean, Project Cars 2 is probably the best looking driving sim for the next like couple years after it was released. And like I talk about the puddles and the attention to detail that they have in the game. This is the type of game that if you buy the Xbox one version and then you get a series X, that game's going to look ace on Xbox mm-hmm. series X. Now we don't know if it's going to work quite as well on PlayStation five. It sounds like Sony's trying to get his ducks in a row in that way. Um, but certainly I believe the Xbox series X version will probably still be just peel your eyeballs back. Um, but I still wonder if it wouldn't have been smarter, even just to kind of get on the hype of the new console releases, to hold it until the end of the year. And at that point, make sure that you have uh, versions that work for both Series X and PlayStation 5. Mm-hmm. It just They're just kind of just, they're in this void with this game. Um, and games like this can't really be shown off in a void for the first time because they fall by the wayside real fast. If there's one genre on Sifted where I can see a fall off of traffic from like one piece of media to the next, the driving genre is the worst. Debut trailer, 
does great. Next piece of media for it, half. Mm. Next piece of media for it, half. And then from then on, it's pretty much just flatline. Well, so what else do you really need to know? Yeah. I mean, once you know, like, okay, it has these modes and it has 80 cars. Like, what else is there? How many tracks there is? That's it. So I think that's a big reason why we didn't get any details about this game, because you don't really need them for driving games. It's like, yeah, you're going to have licensed courses. You're going to have some licensed cars and they're going to look good. And that's really all I need to know. And that's kind of where we're at with the driving sim at this point in 2020. Um, Matt, is this something you're going to keep tracking and keep an eye on? Um, no. As the, no. What about you, Mitch? What's your favorite driving franchise, Mitch? Mario Ooh. Kart, maybe? Uh, yeah, probably Mario Kart. That's that's probably. I'd say that's probably mine too. Honestly, um, yeah, I just played it the most. To be a truthfully, I will. I love Diddy Kong Racing. That's like. Yeah, I like if too. I if I wanted to go back and play something, I would really want to go play Diddy Kong Racing. Um, I think the only angle you could do with this, though, is what I was thinking is. It's probably for the people that have a PS4 that don't upgrade to a PS5 because you can't play the new Gran Turismo if it comes out on a PS4. So that's true. This, this that's is a good point. For PlayStation play in particular, that's a good point. Yeah, yep. that's the only thing. I mean, Microsoft, you have it. It can. It's going to be playable on both devices, so that doesn't change anything. Yep. Um, so will so, Forza, so it doesn't really help the other way either. Yeah. Uh, we don't have a hard release date for Project Cars 3. They're just saying before the end of 2020 or the summer, I think is what they're saying right now. Mm -hmm. So the third quarter, essentially. Um, but we don't have a hard date for it yet. It's coming to PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Um, will we tackle it again on Game Face? Probably when it comes out, but probably not until then. All this crazy E3 replacement stuff is about to kick off and things are about to get awesome. All right, let's close out the show with our last topic. We're going to talk about, I guess, the biggest game of the week. This was really a slow week. I'm surprised that we're going to get this episode all the way out to the full three hours, by the way. I really didn't think we would, but here we are. We've made it. Um, and it's been really slow because a lot of stuff that was supposed to happen this week all got pushed a week for because of the George Floyd protest. So next week's show is going to be ace. I guarantee it. But anyway, the biggest game this week definitely that people are talking about is Valorant. And I don't know if I'm saying it right. I, I think I'm close. I think it's close enough that you guys understand what I'm talking about. It's Riot's brand new first-person shooter, free-to-play first-person shooter, I should add as well, which is a really important caveat. Um, Matt, have you had a chance to play it? I'm guessing not. No, I didn't even know it came out until yesterday. Okay. Like I saw people talking about it, but like I just the the chatter about it has been was so kind of kind of a low constant roar because of the beta and the Twitch yeah. stuff and all that, like, cause it was taken off on Twitch so much that I just like, didn't realize that anything significant had happened with it. Yep. So um, I've been playing it a good bit. Um, I've been playing it basically since it came out. I think I missed the first day that they put it up out of beta and just made it free to play for everybody. Um, and it's been become one of these games where I keep it down in my tray of my PC and then I'm working, working, working. And then I'm like, okay, I got 20 minutes free pop, pop it up, play a match. The problem is, with this game, you can't really do that. A big complaint a lot of people have with League of Legends is the commitment required. And I totally get it. Because the best ma the shortest matches of League of Legends are going to be 15 minutes. That's the shortest. Um, you, you have to play 15 minutes before you can even surrender in the game. And then at 15 minutes, it has to be unanimous. So all five players on your team have to be willing to surrender. At 20 minutes it can be four to one voting and you can surrender. So um, League of Legends matches typically last about 35 to 40 minutes, I would say. And 
This is actually how I found out that it had come out yesterday because someone I knew was complaining about how long it took to play matches. There you go. So it's very interesting. I, I do not know if this is intentional and that Riot is trying to shape all its games in the same way so that you have to make big time commitments to them. But so far, League of Legends and now Valorant, huge time commitments. Valorant's matches are best of, and I'll wait here for dramatic effect, 25. Wow. <laughs> 25 okay so he said yeah he's like he's like i can't believe i gotta play 13 matches of this and i thought he was kidding no, he, no, you, you, play no you play 13 if you win all 13 yeah, yeah. that's win straight out <laughs> that's best case scenario is you play 13 matches it's crazy like i don't know what they're thinking now i will say this so valorant is counter-strike with like supers basically mm. it plays like counter-strike mostly um, you have a huge bank of weapons that you buy and you have a, a dollar amount. When you start the first round of every match, you can pretty much only use a pistol. After that match is over, generally you'll have enough money to then buy an assault rifle or a shotgun. And then obviously as you get kills or complete objectives, you get points. And one thing that is cool about it is that you can buy stuff for other players on your team. Um, which is nice. You don't just have to worry about your bank. And in fact, there are cases where I got to a point where I found a couple guns that I really liked. And so I wasn't spending a lot of money like buying weapons anymore. And if like one of my teammates was out of cash, I would just buy him what he wanted. And you can just drop your weapons on the ground and then somebody else can pick them up. And that works with enemies too. So if you kill an enemy who has a better weapon than you, say you're stuck with a pistol, you can just pick up the weapon that he was using and use it. And it's a very important and viable strategy, I would also add. So they are... 13 wins to win each match. There's really one mode so far, and it's basically where you plant a bomb and then the counter ticks down and you wait for it to explode. And like all games like this, where if you die, you're out of the match until the next round starts, matches never finish with finishing the objective. I think I played three games since it launched where somebody actually detonated the spike. It's just... It's if you eliminate the other team, you win. And that's what happens. You eliminate the other team first. And so that's the way most of the matches shake out. Oh, I've, um, been, I've been experiencing the complete opposite. Like most of most of the games I've played, um, people have been detonating. I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. Literally I, like three times in a week, I've seen that spike detonated. I uh, see. I, I mean, I think I've not seen it not once detonated because we got killed before we could detonate it but besides that I've no, that's what i'm talking about that's what i'm talking about that's how you, you win the match by killing the other team you don't have to worry about the spike i know but we were heading to put the spike down and we got ambushed they kind of uh surrounded us and killed us before we even can go place it so um but usually we did place the spike that is just your team, man. You're the only ones playing like that. Well, <laughs> Trust I mean, me. I played. Go like out into the seven, How many times did matches? the other team play at the spike? Yeah, they played it too. I, I mean, I don't know what you're. Well, you were forcing them to if you're moving the spike. I guess I, I'm not. I'm not even just talking about this game. This is first person shooters. Period. Every shooter, it's the same way. They have these modes where if you die, you sit out. It never makes it to the end to the to the actual objective. The other one of the teams dies way before that ever happens. It's always been that way. It will always be that way. I'm not complaining. Sure. I'm just pointing out that 
the modes don't matter that much in any of these games because literally like 90% of the matches end with just the other team getting completely killed before the other team can. Um, and so the fact that it only has one mode doesn't really make, have a, as big an impact as you might expect is what I was trying to get at. Because you say one mode and people are like, oh my God, there's only one mode. Well, that's you only need one mode is what I'm getting at for the sure. most part. Yeah. Um, there are 10 characters, I believe. That was what my count was. But it's hard to figure out because you unlock them as you go. You can't use them all right at the beginning. And as you level up, then you create contracts that you can use to unlock new characters for play. Um, the characters, and Mitch, you can obviously chime in here as well. I don't really give a crap about any of the characters. They, they don't resonate with me. They don't seem to have a unique personality. There's the one guy who can disappear and kind of teleport and he's goofy and weird, but at least he's something different. The rest of the characters in it, I, I, you could put a character from Valorant next to a character from Overwatch and as someone who doesn't play a ton of Overwatch, I would probably get some of them wrong. I would think hmm. that some of them were Overwatch characters because they're just very generic fantasy-styled characters. I never found a main that I really like to play as. And I think part of that is that because this is one place where it does differ from those hero shooters and it's more like a game like Counter-Strike. And that is, for the most part, all the characters are the same. They can all car carry the same weapons. They can all use the same weapons. Each one has a super that's unique to them and one other ability that's unique to them. And the rest of it, it is just typical guns, which is also weird. It's weird having these traditional weapons in this fantasy, like, sci-fi setting. Because they are. They're like shotgun, assault rifle, SMG. And they're not... They don't even try to rename them and call them, like, Cyber Blaster or anything like that. They're literally just SMGs. So it's a little weird. Um, with all that said, like, I never felt like there was a lack of content. There's only... Three maps? Mish, did you count more than three maps playing? I don't remember seeing I more than I three. I counted four. Four? Yeah, and they and the one thing about the maps that I would say is that they are they're very wide ranged. Like um, I've had a yeah. map where it was extremely close countered, so um, we got ambushed really quick, and we found that there was a there was a way you could easily like box everybody in and just take them all out before they could put their uh, device down. Um, but then there's also a map where it is extremely spread out, but it does help you by having teleportation zones where you can teleport to the other side of the map so you're not spending so much time trying to walk to the other side of the map because it's so big. So I think even with the, the different sizes, they do balance it really well. I didn't think the maps were too big at all. I thought the maps were pretty small, to be honest. Most of them are pretty small, but there was one that was huge, and I was like, wow, this is I'm wondering if you played something that I never played because I've never teleported in a map. Uh, it's basically like it was a gate. I just op I like opened uh, and it was like a port portal field. Just like huh. went into it. And I've I never seen one of those. Okay, so you probably didn't play that map, but um, yeah. but yeah, that's uh, that that was the biggest one. That was the only one that was like huge. The rest of them have been medium to pretty small and compact. So like instantly, usually within two seconds of starting the match you're going to run into somebody and you're going to have to shoot. Oh, no, you can't because there's the period that you wait before you can even fight. No, I mean, I, I mean, after that period, within two oh. seconds of that period so, yeah, the, being done. We should explain that, actually. We, yeah. we should have explained that already to people. So the way the game works is the game starts, but the match hasn't even started yet. You have a buy period where you can buy stuff, although you can buy stuff 
during the whole match, but they prompt you to like, no, you can't. okay, you can't? No, they wouldn't let me buy it because I used a special and I tried to rebuy it and it wouldn't let me buy it. Oh, um, well, yeah, the specials. But I'm talking about like your guns and your ammo. Can you not buy those mid-match? No, you cannot buy mid-match. Oh, I thought for they, sure you it's could. It's all about pre-plan. So you have to I've never sure run out of also, ammo. I haven't either. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> for the, to be honest, I didn't even run into the situation where I didn't have any money. Like, I, I always had I plenty have. of funds. Um, if I the, bought... If I buy armor every round, I eventually run out of money. Yeah. The only thing you didn't mention, though, was um, uh, with the system of the beginning, you do only can buy a pistol. Um, once you get halfway through the match, you do switch roles, and your money goes back down to zero. So you do start from scratch again. Oh, that's a good yeah. Which is yeah, so, Which I do like. It kind of adds a balance to it. So it's not like a team has dominated for the first half, and they can just keep dominating because they have all the money in the world to spend on whatever they want. They actually have to earn it back well, you're, again. Well, you're also flipping sides of the map, so exactly, it only makes sense. Yep. I mean, it would be stupid to let them keep the money that they earn from the other side of the map while they're right. now playing on this side. So, exactly. yeah. So basically what happens is you have that buy period, and then if you actually move through the map, there are doors with force fields in front of them to keep you from engaging the enemy. And then there's a countdown, the shields go away, and then it's on. Um and then once the fighting starts, that's when you start talking about how the gunplay works. The first thing I would say about this game is that it is the exact opposite of run and gun. In fact, you cannot really run and gun in this game. Um, You're if not I, supposed to. I, did, I was not aware of that because it's not like they tell you don't yeah, run do. and shoot. In the when? tutorial, the, literally uh, the first the beginning of the tutorial, they say make sure you stop so that you can aim correctly when you shoot. And actually, oh, I completely was, missed that. It was fun because... Uh, I completely missed it. So, because I, I started playing it, and I'm like, dude, my, I'm, why am I not hitting anything? Yeah. And it went through game after game after game. Like, there's somebody, like, two feet away from me. My reticule is, like, right in their chest, and it's just the bullets are just flying all over the place. Nah. And I'm like, what is going on? So eventually I went and Googled it, and they're like, you can't move and shoot at the same... You can but you're never going to hit anything. So it's this anti literally Call of duty, basically like some kid on chat with, with me saying was like, um, he was saying, Wait, some, did you say it's like call of duty? No, he said, it's oh. not like it's the opposite. So, yeah. yeah. So he was telling some dude, he's like, dude, it's not call of duty. Stop. <laughs> it's not <laughs> to stop to shoot, which for me as a person, that's not good with call of duty. That's where I like this. I it know. gets absurd, it, though, I think. It helps. Because, I, because think it helps. I can see where if you don't play a lot of shooters, you'd like that. I hate it because I think it takes away a lot of the skill from the game. And I also think that it does really makes you do really stupid stuff. So what I after I Googled it and found out that you, in fact, cannot move and shoot at the same time accurately, I started working within the systems that they give me. And what you end up doing is this weird shoot step, shoot step, shoot step it's it, it, as people get good at the game and you start playing with people who are really good at it it turns into this weird like duel where people are like ticking across like the me it's so weird but that's um, where the but that's where the powers come in that's where the abilities to be able to block people's so like you've guys seen in the b-roll of my favorite character to use has the ability to put up a circular field of of air to block the viewpoint of the opponent and also that's what she, all the power-ups do they're yeah, all well, yeah, like they, they vision all have, obstructors like, block, yeah vision obstructors but then she also has one that i like which is she has a speed run which she can basically go through those fields really quick so i can hop out really quick if i see someone in the corner just come right out and then wait take it just turn a little bit and then shoot them um but the blocking helps 
to not have that moment of where you're step and shoot, step and shoot, because that does happen if you're not using your power. That's how you get good at the game. That's how that's what the best players do. Step, shoot, step, shoot. Google it. They'll tell you that's how they, that's how the best players play. Um, that is not my ideal first person shooter. I totally can accept that other people may like that and may think it's better than other ways. I am not one of them. Um, the the powers in this game are really freaking boring and they all are basically the same. They're all half a circle with a different texture on it. Yeah. Um, if if you're the character that Mitch was talking about, it's white and gray because it's supposed to be a cloud. If you're another character, it's green and slimy. If you're another character, it's supposed to be fire. Yeah, one of them's fire, and then one of that's <laughs> like a liquid rainbow fire, and then the and other there's one like is another one purple. you can spread slime across the ground or spread flames, like you throw like a grenade slow down and your movement like, and things like yeah, that. Like there's, none of it's all that exciting, but you're right, they are tactical for the way that this game is played because sight lines because when you can't move and shoot at the same time sight lines are really important and so you can put up these vision obstructors these walls or these domes and really the biggest detriment is that you just can't see and sometimes you'll go into one of those domes you don't know who's in there and you get yeah. in there and there's an enemy in there and you're like oh my god and it turns into this like very frantic thing where again you're trying to move and shoot at the same time like any duels where you're both running and you meet the enemy, they're just absurd because it, the game doesn't work that way. You're not supposed to be strafing each other and shooting, and it just becomes all luck, basically. So well, and also, I am not a huge fan. Somebody, you just basically have to like stop. The first person to stop is going to have the best shot. It's going to get the kill. Yeah, and yeah. the one thing I do like that's kind of nice is they show you the headshots you do. So like they have a, yeah. a little skull at the bottom when you take some shots against somebody and yeah. you kill them. It'll show you exactly where you shot them. So like when you get a successful headshot, it's kind of satisfying to see that. The shooting feels actually you know once you're firing the guns it feels really good um if you stand up to a wall and you and you start cycling through your weapons each one has its own shooting pattern um I'm basically what i've learned from playing is aim for the belt first and then it, it will just naturally rise up right to the head um and it, again like call of duty every bullet is accounted for so when certain guns first couple bullets real accurate as you keep firing, the, the pattern starts to spread out until your last couple bullets have like a 5% chance of hitting or whatever. So you have to learn to work with the way the guns work. And the truth is, the rest of the game is designed around that. So I can totally see where someone who loves Counter-Strike is, is maybe getting a little bored with it, thinks this game is the bee's knees. For me, someone who's been playing shooters a long time and has done his time on Counter-Strike back in the day, um, I, it doesn't resonate with me anywhere near as much. Um, I think it's a certain style of shooter for a certain type of player. And I think that certain type of player will absolutely love it. I'm just not that type of player. Yeah, um, I would agree with that hundred percent. I think the systems within it work with that system, but it's, it's a specific type of player that is going to enjoy this. Not specifically that it's a horrible system because it's a good system for what they have in place. Um, yeah, and to make me, it work that, with the rest of the game. Yeah, and for me, that's not very good at, like, Call of Duty. Like, I, I, I'll get my ass whooped if I go on Call of Duty right now. So, for me, I rather just, I, I enjoy this because it allows someone like me to actually stop, take a minute, aim, and shoot instead of trying to do both at the same time. Yeah, and I prefer the, the higher skill ceiling in shooters. Uh, as someone who plays a lot of them, I think that makes sense. 
Um, but look, I'm sure there's people who are great at this game and will school me at Valorant. You know, if I play it, there's people who are just as good at the shooting mechanics in Valorant as other people are at the shooting mechanics in Call of Duty. It's just what you spend a lot of time with. What do you think about the look of the game, Mitch? I... I think the game scales really well, and this is one area where Riot's pedigree is, pays dividends. Because one thing Riot figured out a long, long time ago is that they need to build games that'll run on anything. Some creaky, old, crappy video card. League of Legends will run on that thing. It may not look pretty, but it'll run and you can actually play the game. And Valorant is very much the same way. Um, it scales. Like I went through and just kind of looked through all the different settings. I started messing around with the settings on my PC and I set it really low at first to see how it looked at that and then cranked it all the way up. And it, the, the art style scales very well. Even That's if you have like, yeah, the, even if it, you have your detail and stuff turned down, maybe you can't run it with detail because you have an old crappy card. It still looks pretty good. It'll just look really flat. It'll look a lot more flat shaded the weaker your rig is, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think um, they, that's what the character's design, along with the color scheme they do with it, really makes them pop. So even when you have something at a low res, you're still going to see that color. Um, yeah. And so then once you really get it to blow it up, you get those cool effects along yeah. with the nice popping color in the best definition, and it looks great. So I think Runs that's really, well. that really helps it. And the environments, yeah. too, do that. The environments also pop. Like, each of them feel different yeah in, there's a lot of copying and pasting going on in those maps i mean um, in regards i, I to, am a little like, disappointed in the maps i feel like they got a little lazy with those but. oh sure it's very industrial for sure and uh, but i think they still have color and they still do it's distinctly pop between each of the different zones which will help in regards to when you're looking at like upresing something the map design is really good too yeah i do um, like the I map can, design. they really only need a few maps because they are really well balanced and there's a nice mix of areas in the maps there's a lot of there's tunnels there's t there's uh corridors but then there's it'll crack open to this big open room with a bunch of boxes but then there's these outdoor areas that are really open and the snipers can go crazy so yeah usually the design of each map has been the central area is a giant open hub but you yeah. can't put you can't plant your bomb there yeah, and yep. when you do this, you you're not. You're, it's you so funny that you're talking about planting bombs. I have <laughs> never even planted a bomb, not once. Oh, see, I planted ever. so many when I played. It was, it was, it was. It doesn't even it, enter my mind well, to see, even think about the spike I, or the bomb. Well, the I, we just go for, and just kill the other team. Well, for us, like some of the best moments I would say playing this game was when we planted a bomb and then someone was trying to discharge it. And, and there's either, one second left. And there's one second that. left, and either one person yeah. got it or the person didn't. But like that, that moment worked, and so like when you do those elements it really works as a game mechanic and um well, all i care about is winning <laughs> that's real i don't care about any other crap i, will say I want to win when you get your when you get your it's ass much whooped. easier to kill the other team than it is to go through some contraption thing with planting the spike finding the spike and then yeah. finding where you're supposed to plant it and then planting it and then defending it it's just easier to just kill the other team yeah i mean there's there's moments like that but um but I think it's a lot more fun when people are actually playing it the way it should be because it actually works really well. But, See, um, I, I have a problem with that. You're saying the way it should be. I, I don't know what that means. The way means. it's designed. The way, the way it should be is the way that it means that you win. That's, I, that's I, how I, it should I'm, be. I should not say it should be. I meant designed. It's designed to say you're, you're, you're supposed to be doing this because that's what the rules are. But obviously you, yeah. can, you can bend the rules to change the rules in a sense. But... Uh, but I mean, if you if you look at the game, it says plant the bomb. Like that's what that's the objective. Yeah, that you don't ever, you can ignore pretty much. Yeah. Um, 
the, the, and the thing about this is it's free. So, you know, any criticism I may level on this game, who gives a crap? Because it's not like it costs you anything. It's a very small client. I think it was my initial download was like seven gigs. But then like when I went to play it the second time, it downloaded like this bigger patch. So I think it's probably around like 15 gigs, something like that. And oh, it'll grow and over time, obviously, as they add new characters. My biggest disappointment, honestly, with the whole game, like I understand that they've made it for a certain type of shooter player. And I totally get that there are tons of people like that. I'm not one of them. But I, I think my my biggest problem with it is that they've they've tried to be a compromise between these two different styles. And for me personally, because I am a a gameplay first guy, I like like I don't like the new Call of Duties because they took away traversal stuff. Like and most people love the new Call of Duties. I don't. Like, I like the ones that allowed you to wall run or gave you a jetpack. So that's where I am on the scale of the shooter scale. And this one's like all the way on the other side. So, um, again, certain people are going to really resonate with this. I think if you're a Counter-Strike player and you're looking for something a little spicier, you're probably going to love this game. But if you've played Counter-Strike, yeah, the reverse of that will not be true, though. If you've played Counter-Strike and you didn't like it, the additions of the character-based stuff is not going to be enough to make you like the game. To me, it is more Counter-Strike than Overwatch, if that yeah. makes sense. And uh, the last thing I'd probably say with about it is the progression. You know, we did talk about it for a second, but I will say the progression to get characters is not too long. Yeah. So to, to, to take the time yeah. to do it, I think I played seven, maybe six matches, and I was able to get a new character. So that yep. seems reasonable within the amount of time I played it, and it's Well, free. you do have to remember, those six or seven matches yeah, took you do. probably yeah. like four hours. I exactly. mean, that's not no. even an exaggeration. Like, no, that's uh, for a lot sure. of time. Uh, and, and I will say, when you're losing, man, you just, you. I mean, it's hard it's to worst. get out of a rut in this well, game. You quit. People quit. Yeah. Because, if look, if the other team's winning like 10 to 6, and they need three more wins to win the match and you need like seven after you've played this for a while you start to figure out that's not happening and what happens is people drop and then i've heard a lot of people say that when people drop they fill them with bots and as far as being in the community for valorant and and chatting with people as we're playing that was the most constant chatter effing bot effing bot oh there's another bot like they were just talking about it constantly i don't know for sure I'm just saying yeah, what everybody who was playing the game was saying. Because I was going to say, when I played, I've had maybe two matches where people dropped out, and it was down to, I think it was like three versus You're five. Lucky. I was wow. on, I was on a team of three, and we were able to uh, eventually get one more player, and we won. Uh, we were down by like seven. Because the other thing is that they were five. saying, and I have seen it, is that these people who join the game mid-game come in and wreck shop. Because they're saying they're bots and they come in and they have auto aim. And I literally, and the, another reason you know is because if you try to chat with them, they won't respond. Or if they do respond, it's with just yes or no. And so you can see some of the players like trying to goad these bots into exposing the fact that they're not really human characters. I don't know. I just know that constantly while I was playing this game, people were talking about the bot problem inside Valorant. So just something to consider. It doesn't matter to me. I didn't even know I was playing against bots when I was playing Fortnite for the latest season. So who well, knows? And, and uh, I would say if, oh, if you are going to play this game, because I ran into a bug already um, in the beginning in the tutorial, um, there was a moment where it would not let me continue. I like picked up my gun for the first time and you're supposed to hit a target, but the target never appeared. There was no prompt. And so I spent about 
15 minutes trying to open a door that I thought was supposed to open, never opened. Um, so I had to look it up. So if you run into that issue, just um, get out of it, get back in, and then it should appear just fine. That was my only bug issue I like technically I've ran into in this game. Besides that, it runs smooth. I've had no problems, no bugs, no any no any issues at all. It's it's rock solid. You can tell it's a quality game. Like it's Riot. Like they I can see why they've waited to put out another game because one now that they have, you see that that quality is carried through into this new genre. So um, it's a quality game. It's very well made. And I think for a certain segment of people, they're going to freaking love it. And they're going to play it for the next 10 years, just like people are playing League of Legends. So kudos to Riot. It's done a great job with this. It's a genre it hasn't really worked on before. Now they did bring in ringers to help work on the game. Um, but like even lag hasn't been that big of a problem. Although I will say they don't show replays of kills. So that's usually where a player can pick up on the fact that there's lag because you'll see one thing during live gameplay, and then when you see the replay, you'll see something different. This game does not show you a replay of you dying. So I'm just going by feel, basically. It feels like the latency is pretty good and the netcode is solid. It's also something that Riot spent a ton of time working on. And so it appears to me that it has paid dividends. Um, I haven't caught anyone doing what it appeared to be cheating either. Um, their cheat, anti-cheat software has really kind of wrinkled, ruffled some feathers over the last week. I haven't had any problems with it. So uh, it's a free-to-play shooter. It's PC only. You can't use a console controller to play it. That bothered me a little bit too. I had not played a first-person shooter hardcore on a mouse and keyboard for quite a while. Um, even like, you know, if I play something on a PC, I'll just plug in my Xbox controller and play it on that. This game doesn't even have controller support at all right now. I'm guessing it'll come eventually, and they are talking about console versions of the game already, so I think it'll probably come at, in one, at one point, but right now, no. Yeah, so, the problem with the met- cheat thing, by the way, was that not that it did anything to the performance of the game, but that it had access to your kernel. And oh. there, was, there was concern oh. that, that... I can understand could, that. ...that, you know, spyware problems, yep. basically, especially okay. because of the Tencent ownership. Yep. Um, so anyway, that's Valorant, free-to-play, only available for PC. I think, Mitch, you give it a thumbs-up, too, as well, right? Yeah, um, yep. especially because it's free-to-play. It's worth at least yep. trying, and uh, I think it's easy for, for someone who has not played mouse and keyboard shooters. Like, this is... I definitely enjoyed it. That's a good point, too. The fact that you're not very well-versed in playing that genre on PC and you feel good jumping in. That's important, for sure. So, uh, for me, somebody who wants some more traversal... Um, not ideal, but I did enjoy my time playing it, and I probably will jump back in here or there. Like when they put out a new map or release some new characters, I'll probably jump back in and, and give it another go. All right, so there you go. That's Game Face 215. It's time to take some questions from you guys. Um, usually, oh, and there you are. You, you've, already, you've already been asking questions. I think you guys could tell by my tone of voice when I'm starting to wrap it up. I think if you've watched Game Face for a long time, you start to get those, uh, those cues. Uh, so, all right, we have questions in here already. Get them in at Sifted Games into our chat. Uh, Mitchell is alive. Going into the PS5 event, do you have any predictions that you feel are sure bets? Also, do you think the console will look similar to the leaked dev kits? What do you think, guys? Mm. I think one sure bet is I don't think we'll see the console. The well, they said format. they weren't going to show it. Oh, yeah, they did? It's, it's a purely it's, it's a game software thing. only. Oh. Yeah. Um, well, I got that one right. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Um, so anyway, I guess I got that right. They're not going to show the form factor. And he was, wasn't he talking about that? Yeah, he did say it in yeah. his question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if it's going to look like the dev kids. Sure bet. I, the only thing. Godfall. Would, yeah, Godfall. Yeah. That's the only sure thing, really. <laughs> I mean, Horizon just, it just seems as if that's got, that's got to, if I put my money on something that hasn't been announced already, it's got to be Horizon 2. Like, that's I mean, if I was going to do that, it would be G- Gran Turismo. Yeah. Uh, it's close. It's That's a close one. Um, I would certainly prefer Horizon. Yeah, yeah. But <sighs> I don't know. Like, I guess I, I would say a, if I'm asking myself, the middle. if I ask myself that, I'm like, which, if they don't show one of those two, which is the thing I will be less surprised I didn't see, and I'd be less surprised if we don't see Horizon. I think the fact that it's an hour long just lends credence to a lot of stuff being shown because they have to fill out an hour's worth of time. So I just think just intrinsically, if you're going to have an event that's an hour long, you can just count on a lot of stuff being shown in general, which would... Yeah, I would hope this would just blow out everything they have in the pipeline that they're willing to even show a screenshot of pretty much. Yeah, which would lead me to believe that Horizon will be there. So I would recommend it 70% Horizon is going to be there, something like that. Wishful thinking, I really would love to see a sequel to the Ratchet and Clank game that came out a couple years ago. The PS4 one? The PS4 one. I absolutely loved that game. It's like my secret game I play all the time just just, just because the gunplay is so much the fun. The gadgets, yeah. The gadgets that's are what good. That's, that's what it's all about, man. Yeah, that that so franchise I, is all about the gadgets. And now it's, they own Insomniac, and I bet they could definitely hire more people at Insomniac and do two projects, and this could be one of them. Insomniac has been doing two projects for well over 15 years. Um, in fact, I think they might have three teams now. Okay. They are definitely uh, big enough to do that. It's, it's not impossible that a Ratchet and Clank follow-up is, is going is gonna to be there on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, next from Shaniki, Shalid Shanake. Do you think we'll get a new Tomb Raider during one of these console reveals? Also, we had a Sonic game in February, Sonic and Mario Tokyo Olympics 2020. Uh, no, I don't think we'll get a Tomb Raider. I think if we were getting a Tomb Raider we wouldn't have had a Tomb Raider-ish game in the Unreal 5 engine demo. Mm. I know that sounds silly, but I'm telling you, that type of stuff is considered. So Also, I think we would have seen it leak by now. Yeah, probably. Because that that happens constantly. Yeah. Crystal Dynamics is is also on Avengers now, so it's like they're busy. There's one studio out of the running. Because, well, it transferred to IDOS, Montreal, for the latest, for the last Tomb Raider that they did. And it kind mm-hmm. of put a bow on everything. And to be honest, it didn't sell very well. So it's uh, it's unfortunate. People burned out really on love, the new Lara pretty fast, which is unfortunate because I like I really They're like great. the I like the direction. You know, for people that don't like open world games, it's like a semi open world game in regards to little areas. But there's things you can do within mm-hmm. those areas that are open world. And so for a person that gets too flustered about going into a giant space like odyssey and just all of a sudden you have a list of things to do it's kind of nice to just go to little sub areas instead and i like that so i kind of wish it would happen but i don't think it will i would definitely play one or two more of those um i also think uh here's my tomb raider hot take uh the stories aren't as good but i think the tomb raider games play better than the uncharted games Oh, oh I, would agree. I don't think that's a hot take I, at all. I think that's all. obvious. You'd be, surpri- you'd be surprised. <laughs> well, you're going to have fanboys that are going to argue against that, but mm-hmm. I think most level-headed people would agree with you a billion percent on that one. Um, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, it's been interesting to watch because Lara came back and the, the first reboot sold like crazy. 
And then the second one came out and it did half of those sales. And then the third one came out and it did half of those sales. So it mm. Tomb Raider is one of those law of diminishing return franchises. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see the next Tomb Raider for a couple years still, to be honest. With no. Well, I mean, the they, they, they should have moved was... it forward. They should. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. She was, she's been three games becoming the Tomb Raider, yeah. whatever that means. And we've talked about that on Game Face extensively. Yeah. Exactly. And then like, and then at the end, like, it's weird that the point of the third game was like one of the big narrative themes of the third game was like, maybe you shouldn't raid tombs. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> what, what yeah. do we do all this for? <laughs> well, they got away from it. Like the yeah. raiding tombs thing, they got away from it, which is insane. It's called Tomb Raider. What are you doing? Uh, Gohan Rage, thank you for Twitch Prime. Justin Horman, thank you for Twitch Prime. You guys rocketh. Uh, here's a question from Yakov226. What game or PS5 feature do you wish to be announced at the PS5 event? Matt, go first. Do I wish? So like just blue sky or whatever. Like I would like to see Spider-Man 2. Uh, okay. He did a game or feature. Okay. Spider-Man 2. Marvel Spider-Man 2 from Insomniac. Insomniac, yeah. So okay. put Mitch and I both down for Insomniac hopefuls. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mitch? Uh, game or my, feature? Besides my Ratchet and Clank, I would love to take a Bloodborne 2. I think we will get a Bloodborne PS5 Remastered. update. I don't yeah. think we will get a Bloodborne 2, but I do hope we see Elden Ring. But I maybe I, in regards to when I say Bloodborne 2, I do want them to take a complete different tone with it. So like instead of doing the old, I don't even know what shot, what uh, time period that is, uh, uh, whatever that time period is, do something completely different, but still call it Bloodborne. So a new setting, new setting, same mm -hmm. combat, and 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 you can see that. Like, like as long as you fresh. keep you keep it with that kind of the corrupted blood thing, and in a in a weird city, but you could you could make it a modern day thing, and kind of kind of twist it that way. That would be interesting. Uh, for me, what I want to see at the PS5 event, other than the stuff that I know that's not going to be there, like the form factor and the price, I don't think we're going to get any of that stuff. So. Uh, what I would, would want to see is PlayStation VR 2. I do not think we're going to see it. I don't think we'll see PlayStation VR 2 until next year. Yeah. Um, I think they may talk about it a little bit and say, you know, this hardware is optimized for VR and we're working on a new HMD and it's going to have mm -hmm. like finger tracking or something like that. I don't think they'll show it. And I definitely don't think they'll show any games for it. So I think maybe we get an idea. Audio. I think they'll mention that to say like this has VR potential. It's possible. Yeah. Um, but that's what I would like to see the most. I just don't think that that's going to happen. Yeah, I bet they'll make some kind of lip service to it in some way. In passing, and, maybe they yeah. mention it or something. Um, somebody congrats for the five years. Thank you, Bobby Budnick. Appreciate that, man. Swanlin, thank you for the bits. You guys are freaking awesome. Um, Cyber Exile. Jim Ryan said they will have more to show after the PS5 event. What do you think they'll hold back on the 11th? The price, the design, full extent of the backwards compatibility. Uh, caught the stream a little late. Sorry if you've already talked about it. We didn't. Yeah, did. But I think all of the above is a pretty good answer to that. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. Maybe not so much back backwards compatibility. I bet they will feature a little bit of like, here's what, you know, they'll, they'll you know, like he's like Cerny said, there's like a hundred games they're working on to like really enhance for PS5 versus like stuff that just runs. So it wouldn't surprise me if they highlighted a few things, probably Spider-Man. I mean, it looks like Spider-Man is kind of their their go-to look at look at how much better it is on the new system thing with the no load times and things like that um so that wouldn't surprise me um but like yeah i feel like the details on that are going to be sketchy until they they show it seems like a hardware announcement deep dive really 
Uh, man, there's a lot of questions in here. I'm yeah, sorry. No, pr no price whatsoever. I, we're not, we're not getting, we're yeah. not getting the stuff we really want to know in terms of like our purchasing decision. I bet just games, which is fine. Yep. I'll take uh, an hour of games at this point. Jesus. <laughs> the drought is real. One super master gamer, JM, JM Rain. Thanks again for more subs. You've given away more subs. <laughs> Fifteen total. Freaking amazing, man. Thank you. Thanks for hooking up our people. Uh, one super master gamer. Why do you think every company is jumping on the Black Lives Matter movement? Why now? Why is anybody doing it right now? Because we saw one of the most hor horrific things we've ever seen in our lives. And I can see where you might say, "Oh, we saw Rodney King get beaten too." I totally get that. Uh, but this is a new generation, and there's a lot of people who don't even know the Rodney King incident is even a thing. Um, and so we have this new generation of people who are getting fed up with racism. I'm one of them. I'm the old generation mm -hmm. of people who's fed up with racism. And they're just not taking it anymore. And all these game companies are made of those people. They're all people like us um, who know that racism is stupid and wrong. And yeah, so, Being against racism is not a particularly not radical politics. idea. Here's the thing. I, I don't understand how racism has become a political discussion. It's not politics. It's basic human decency. That's it. Well, and, and, I, well, and I also think in, in regards to the issue is because of this pandemic, people felt that the uh, that their system that they live under has not worked for them anymore and it needs to change. And I think these companies, they are people too, and they clearly feel the same way as well. And I, I don't know if it's a, I, I would say it's more of a personal than a PR spin to make it sound like everyone's in unity because um, we've heard plenty of companies make statements like this before. Yep. Okay, we'll answer one more. Uh, and it's coming from DinkyDo15. And I'm picking your question because I love your username. Uh, and it's in a simple one. What the hell is Rocksteady working on? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are they doing? <laughs> what are they doing? I don't know. I mean, they're, get, they're getting up there with Rockstar. I mean, I mean I, and Naughty I, Dog. I will hold on until the end. They are making a Suicide Squad game. Okay. Matt's been literally been saying that for like two years. They swap projects. They they took Suicide Squad and uh, Montreal WB Montreal or whoever is making this uh, Court of Owls game took the Batman, and maybe we'll see that on Thursday. It's about okay. damn time. Anyone <clears throat> Arkham? No. That, that ties. That's another WB thing. Ties in with a fucking Harry Potter thing. Where are the fucking Batman games? Like, how is WB still in business? I don't know, man. <laughs> They're really the DLC, fun game remember? every three they charge years. You yeah, so much for that DLC. Yeah, that's why the Nether Realms just cost forty bucks off yeah. Mortal Kombat DLC. Yeah. That could actually be the truth. That's where they're at. Yeah, Mortal Kombat and Lego games. That's where their money's coming from, right? Yeah. Okay, that's it for episode two one five here. At Sifted Games at Sifted.net. Uh, I'm Shane Satterfield, uh, your humble host of Game Face every week. We're here every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. You can find me on Twitter at Dinfire. That's D-I-N-F-I-R-E. You can find Sifted at Sifted Games. And you can find Matt at M. Kyle. That's M-K-E-I-L. And you can find Mitch at Mitch Sikor. S-I-K-O-R. Uh, before we go, thanks again for everything all of you have done. Thanks for all the stuff today, even, to celebrate our fifth anniversary. Without all you guys, we could have never made it. Without Matt, without Mitch, without everybody, uh, we never could have got to this point. I'm just very proud of the community that we've built together uh, here at Sifted. Um, if you're listening to this, 
on God knows where you're listening. We just launched on Stitcher and all these other brand new podcast services. You could be listening anywhere. Well, if you are, uh, we really need your help. If you go to patreon.com slash sifted and just give us a dollar or two every month, you won't even notice it being gone. It'll make a world of difference to us. We really need it. Our Patreon is at an all-time low. It just cratered uh, when the month turned over to June because obviously there's a lot of people who are losing their jobs. We're we're barely scraping by. So every dollar makes a big difference. If you're getting enjoyment out of our content, we'd really appreciate it if you could help us out. Again, at patreon.com slash sifted. I will promise you one thing. Next week's show is going to be damn good. We're going to have all this PS5 stuff to talk about. I'm almost going crazy like, having to wait until Tuesday to talk about it when it's happening on Thursday. Uh, like I said, our brand new podcast feed, Sifted Radio, is already up, but we're launching it here at the end of the week. Stay tuned for that. There's going to be a ton of stuff in that feed immediately, and we're going to be launching a couple of new things to keep filling it up with new content. Also, Sifted HQ will start appearing in there as well, an audio version of that. Um, it's just going to be a catch-all for all our content that isn't game face that makes sense from an audio perspective. So anyway, thanks to everybody on the chat. Um, everybody have a great and safe week, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Game Face is up and out. Yeah.